are not ready for prime time. Prime time. Prime time. Prime time. That's the name. Prime time. Prime time. What time is it? Showtime prime time. It's XL Prime Time. Featuring Joe C. Matt Hayes. Big asses. No. Big thighs. Yeah. Mia O'Brien. Bent over and let it happen. And Leon Searcy. So they were smelling themselves. Oh. How you like me now? How you like me now? I look around. And I finally see a full house. We got Matt back in the building after I don't know what was going on. He'll give us the update, but we are ready to crank it out on a beautiful Thursday. Cool temperatures to start, warming up nicely. And we have got defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen uh, with his presser in the 1 o'clock hour. We will definitely look forward to what he has to say. All of Duval will be listening to that. We will carry that press conference live on 1010 AM, 92.5 FM, but then also you're going to have to go to jaguars.com if you want to catch it on the stream. So we're just giving you that advance warning, or if you're on YouTube, you'll see us. You just won't be able to hear uh, because we are not allowed to stream it. We say thanks, though, to jaguars.com for letting us at least put it over the air. So, Maddie, welcome back. I'll, I'll give you the – Welcome back. How about I that? I love that. That's yeah. even better. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. You feeling better? I am. little uh – Flu funk. Yeah. I don't like what Leon had a few weeks ago when that knocked you out. Remember that last month, that funk you had? I remember. <clears throat> same thing. Same kind yeah. of thing. Um, It's funny because I went to Orlando and played poker with my bud. You know our mm-hmm. poker game we have. Oh, yeah. And uh, oh, half so of the guys. Oh, there's a lot of hands and germs. Half and- of the guys in that game have it. Super spreader. Really? Yeah. Wow, and so this is and this flu. is not the Rona. It's this is just the, the bad flu. Yep. And so uh, still can have super spreader events. Yes, it's true because it, if you're just sitting there and you're tossing cards, yeah, and, everybody's and got their telling hands stories. Oh, and, yeah, of course. A petri dish. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's okay. exactly that, what it is. Yeah. Uh, but would you say to people out there, go get a flu shot? I don't, I don't, I don't know. say anything wow, about Travis. Travis. I, I say, I say I make your own choice, man. I was just trying to set him up. I just want to see choice. where he'd go. Know your role and shut your mouth. <laughs> just All I'm saying is you do what you do. It's up to you. Exactly. All exactly. All right, there you go. All right, so let's get into it today. we got plenty to get into. You just heard Travis Kelsey, and i tell you what, as we were watching the parade yesterday, what a shocking piece of news that came out at the end of that. And I don't know time-wise, chronology, when it happened, but we were – I think we were going off the air laughing at Travis Kelsey trying to sing. Yeah, it was right after that. Yeah. It was around 3 o'clock. Like, we went off the air at 2.55, and around 3 o'clock is when, you know, 2, two o'clock central is when shots rang out at Union Station in Kansas hmm. City. An absolutely unfortunate state of affairs. Already one person has passed away. What's so scary, and I said this to Taylor Dahl, you know, they've deemed it as not an act of terrorism. 22 victims officially, mm-hmm. and half of them are children. Yeah, That's the part awful. that just absolutely just rips sickening. your heart out. Yeah, it's sickening. So uh, if anything does happen, we'll try and let people know. I mean, I'm didn't the police officers detain three people? So it looks like it was something yeah. that was organized. Yes. I mean, it wasn't something that was random. They're they did saying, recover I mean, weapons. There's, there's such yeah. thing as domestic terrorism. There's yeah. people that Correct. Are, Thank you. And, uh, exactly. Yeah, okay. We're just right. straight I'm just saying, but I'm just One's saying. One's an anomaly, two's a conspiracy. I, I know. I'm just saying. No, they, I don't they, think they went. There's three people, like, shooting people in the crowd. Yeah. Like they were shooting each other. Yeah, just straight violence. Yeah. Oh, they were just shooting at yeah, each other. It was, yeah. I thought it was something Wait, no, different. Wait, we like were shooting at each stuff, other? Man. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, these are just like It was a domestic dispute. These are three dopey kids yes. shooting at each other? And then they ended up shooting 22 other people. you got to be kidding me. Yes. Right. In a crowd. So, so, so hot. I hope that's what it was. And that's what, Ta- that's what Taylor Dahl just too. told me that was what the report well, listen, is. I don't hope any I of that I know, I don't because, either. Because, you know, people got, you know, injured, kids got injured, and people got injured in the event. So, I... 
how is the NFL going to handle this? I mean, are they going to treat this as something random, or is this going to be something that they address as far as parades moving forward? Because you can't have this. You can't yeah. have this on on their watch with the Kansas City Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. People, man, being in harm's way at a parade that's supposed to celebrate, you know, their success in winning the Super Bowl. So, well, what do you do now? Do you do do hold it at the stadium? Well, it's you funny get a little bit more. It, that's a good traction idea because, and security. Yeah, because we always joke around. Yeah. You know, we do the classic shiv, shiv joke on on the show, and we're joking around with storm. Court storms and court field storming storms. and field storming, mm-hmm. but in this situation, it is unregulated. There is really no way to be prepared for whoever could walk up at any point. Well, it's put the it, city of Kansas yeah. City, yes. right? Like, what exactly. are you supposed but still, to do? And to that point, yeah. JJ, they had already told Taylor Swift to stay away because they said to her, quite frankly, we don't have the manpower in our Kansas City Police Department to monitor an event like this mag at this magnitude and then throw Taylor Swift into the equation. Yeah. yeah. And so if they didn't have enough manpower for that, I mean then you throw this she should have her own manpower. What the hell you we I, well, no, well, that's so, what I'm saying. Right? The no. city got to pay for her manpower too. No, so that's why they told her to stay oh, away. Okay. Yeah, that's right. why they know. That's why they told her to stay okay, away because they said right. we don't have enough police officers mm-hmm. for a Taylor Swift, you know, sighting. Right, like she's amidst, not asking for protection. But right, it's just, she would have her personal people, but yeah. you need to have enough boots on the ground as well. Trust me, I've been in a restaurant when she's been there. Um, there needs to be the security detail, and there needs to be a police presence. So Travis isn't enough. No. To protect Bay, no. Oh. no, and he was never. Hammered. JJ, never. So, it's never, wild, never. JJ. Like I, I don't think he I've, was hammered. Man. I don't think I've told that he was hammered, and it was no. such a <laughs> such a lovely song that he wrote. But even though he couldn't actually enunciate any of it, because uh, yeah, he was he was in those cups. I don't think I've told the story. Wait yet. a second, he wrote a song for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Well, it was. So you were listening to the show yesterday no, in I, your sick bed. He yeah. wrote a song for Chiefs fans. Yeah, it was for it was it was. We joked that she helped yeah. him write it. Yeah. Because then he, was, it was cute because he had like his friends phone in low out. places theme and right. all that. And he mm. changed it to like, you know, no one thought we'd be here, but my friends believe, you oh know, and God. he's reading Where's the throw up bucket? Yeah. No one thought we'd be here. Yeah. They were the favorite to win it. They were. They were. It's kind of like they hey, said. Hey, they were 2.0 like dogs. It's like Georgia when somehow Kirby told those players and convinced them that people thought they were going to lose six well, games. The Chiefs said the exact same thing last year. Everybody thought we were going to lose six games. Yeah. No, everybody didn't. Dude, yeah. you guys were downing the Chiefs yeah. all season. I was. I, I was. I, I'm I'm admit, I can admit to it. I can this admit to me. I woke up quickly. Like last year. The last game. I woke up in December. Yeah, week 21. I think no, they were up. losing on Christmas yeah. Day to yeah. the Raiders. But here's the thing. A year ago... You could say, and Kelsey, I remember him jumping up and saying, everyone doubted us, all this kind of stuff. They had a more complete team. People were doubting them because Tyreek was gone. This year, definitely doubting them. There's no question in my mind that we were doubting them. But whatever. I mean, it's just it, it, it's that classic us against the world. Well, I mean, we doubted them rightfully so. The they weren't the high-octane offense that we were used to seeing. They had wide receivers that were leading the NFL in drops, bro. Mm-hmm. We had a wide receiver that was lined off sides mm-hmm. in a game that they should have won. And they had Jawan Taylor. Yeah, Jawan Taylor. They had two of the worst tackles in the league. They lost to New York and Denver. And they had two of the tackles, two tackles in the league who had more penalties than any other tackles in the NFL. Yeah. Back-to-back seasons, by the yeah. way. Questionable. Uh, team throughout the season, and then they got right at the right, right time, which is uh, and they were able to but overcome Joe, a bad offense. But Joe, you remember me saying at the beginning yeah. of the season when the Jaguars played the Kansas City Chiefs, I said before the week we were saying, I said, listen, if you're gonna get them, you better get them it's now. True. It's true because once they figure it out, it's gonna yeah. be a wrap. Yeah, and, and what and, happened? We let them go. Exactly, and nothing like watching Mahomes make up for every other deficiency that that a team has. So let's get to the other side, and this is this is honestly. <laughs> 
a little confusing because what we just mentioned with the Kansas City Chiefs, they struggled at times offensively. Not the same <clears> offensive <throat> powerhouse that we were used to seeing with, with Mahomes uh, at the controls. They were held to a bunch of field goals in this game. They didn't score or take the lead until the fourth quarter. And then lo and behold, Kyle Shanahan decides to fire Steve Wilkes. And it is, it's a little bit of a mystery because the, the stats say Steve Wilkes' defense was as good or better than D'Amico Ryan's the two previous years. Mm-hmm. And the way they played Kansas well, City all the They way. definitely had an issue in that game in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Because yeah. he was yelling at him yeah. for the headset. Yeah. You could see that. But, but, he had to call a timeout to change the defense. Are you firing a defensive coordinator after that performance? Well, well listen, it doesn't help when your your star defensive player, Nick Bosa, mm-hmm. says that we were ill-prepared for the zone read. Mm-hmm. And it, the, the two zone read plays that were ran were crucial during the fourth down play and doing the, and doing the regulation. Right. But, so that was but, damning. But, 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 no, but Bosa, I know this in the zone read, if you're the – if you're the backside in, mm-hmm. your responsibilities up the field quarterback. Yeah. You running down to chase the the running back, right. that's on not you. Not your job. That's not your job. Yeah. And, and this is do you think this is the first time he've learned about the zone read? I'm I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sure you've seen it before. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you've seen it before. But when I read that article and I said to myself, Did Nick Bosa just come out and say that? Yeah. I mean I mean, the zone read, we were ill prepared for it. And he, and, like he hadn't seen it before. And I almost feel like it was his counter to Wilkes slamming the defense going into the Super Bowl. What, what, what thing about Wilkes, what he had to deal with, he had to deal with guys who were dealing with a plethora of injuries. Yeah. You're talking about Armstead head issues, that whole defense. For, and losing defense, Greenlaw in the yeah, game. Yeah, and losing Greenlaw to Achilles Hill. All mm-hmm. those guys had injuries. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they took him to overtime is, I don't want to say it's a miracle. Okay. Right. I, I'm thinking to myself, honestly. I, I think Joe might be right, though, about what yeah. you just said, yeah. which is it's not necessarily the Super Bowl. It was all the playoff games leading yeah, up to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they got gutted for for 60 minutes, and we can basically say the first two halves against Green Bay and against Detroit. They got gutted. They did. And then they were able to come back, and, and so there has to be something to it. But when you look at the actual stats, it's still like it makes – like. Steve Wilkes didn't have a complete and total fail, and they were able to come back. But yeah, they were getting torched well, for sixty well, minutes. Well, why, did, why didn't you fire him after the Green Bay game? Yeah, yeah. I, I and I always argue there's no way you can do that because well, he, it, 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 because it's the same thing with Mike Caldwell. I, that would have been outrageous. Yeah. I, I'm just saying, bro. I mean, he's, I make, he's making listen. See, Kyle Shanahan is taking all the heat off himself to the fact that he's lost three Super Bowls, all right? And he's two and all three Super Bowls, he's been a double digit leader going into the Super Bowls and yeah. found a way Either to Either as lose. a coordinator or And there were times during that game I was saying to myself, Why aren't you running? Yeah. Here we go again. First two, three drives of the second half. Yes. Yeah. But hang on now. In the beginning of the second, there was a period where they did run it a bunch because they yeah. got actually conservative yeah. a little more than maybe they should. When they, well, it was good to see them not abandon it. Yeah. 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 When they might have could have stepped yeah. on the throat a little bit. But think about this. The quirky punt fumble or punt return fumble recovery. It was, was the only offensive touchdown. Yeah. And then, and then Kansas City turned that into a touchdown. That was the first touchdown they had for the game. And then you just think of all the other things that did – they went well, by and large, for the for the San Francisco defense. Mm-hmm. But the difference between the San Francisco defense in the first half and the second half, to Matt's point, because they were absolutely putting vicious hits on Kansas City Chiefs offensive players in the first half, and then somehow or another it just mysteriously disappeared in the second half. I mean, the, the offense has to have some uh, somehow culpability of it in the fact that they couldn't score any points. Mm-hmm. I mean, the defense held the Chiefs to 19 points. Right. 
You, you, you're supposed to find a way to win that. 19 points. And one touch, the only touchdown that guy was fluky. It was a punt that bounced off the guy's leg and the guy couldn't recover it. Yeah. I said, what did Kansas City do? They kicked a bunch of field goals. Your defensive coordinator kept Patrick Mahomes to four field goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he gets fired. But you see, but here's, here's the funny thing, and it's kind of off target, but it's kind of on target. Mm-hmm. See what happens when you take the points in the NFL? Mm-hmm. See what happens when you kick four field goals in the NFL? Wow, you get the yeah. game to overtime, right. and then look what happens. And you, keep, you got a chance to win it. Yeah, well, you keep playing the way the game is unfolding. Is yes! That, you, you should do it you like that. It take the points. It's not always that way, and it's not like uh, a commandment where you got to do that. It's not a commandment, but you know but, what? We, the, it's, the pendulum has, swift, has, has shifted so far to the side of analytics and metrics and, no, the percentages say do this, when there's no more gut feeling anymore. Mm-hmm. There's no more, okay, I know how the NFL is played. I know what happens. I know their personnel. I know what they do. I know if we can stop them or not. I'm taking points. Yeah, but like Detroit, they went off of that gut feeling, and it backfired on yes. them too. But they still, like I maintain, they played it the same way, regular season, postseason, first quarter, fourth quarter, and I do give them credit for that. All right, we're going to keep it cranking on the NFL. Uh, Ryan Nielsen, uh, we're going to have the presser. We'll carry it live, so we'll talk about can his defense uh, resurrect this uh, football team on that side of the ball coming up. It is XL Prime time on a beautiful Thursday. That just happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. The news from the Florida Gators coaching staff, Darnell Stapleton, the offensive line coach who worked under Rob Sale. Mm-hmm. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Just the bag of chips. Okay. <laughs> is leaving the bag for, the, for the NFL's commanders. Mm-hmm. Go coach with, of course. Wow. What? Yeah, yeah. Yes, he's leaving for the commanders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to go coach with Dan Quinn. Yeah, okay. So that's a um, yeah, another, another uh, let's just say, obstacle right now. Mm-hmm. For Billy Napier. Now, there's, uh, there's a lot going on right now in that football program, on the field, off the field, financial, everything. And not the first member of his coaching staff to depart in the last three weeks. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, it's... it's Let's go look, back on the timeline. Are we going back to mid-January with the first departure? Does that sound right? Well, he so, got rid of two guys. He forced two out, mm-hmm. which probably both their best coaches. My guess is neither one of them wanted to deal Corey with. Corey Raymond, which was a surprise. Corey Raymond and Sean Spencer were probably his two best assistant coaches, but mm-hmm. this is just a guess of mine, okay? Mm-hmm. Probably neither one of them wanted to deal with, to deal with uh, Tommy Boy. Chris Farley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He wanted nothing to do with him. So, I mean, they're respected assistant coaches in, the, in their profession, both of them. Mm-hmm. Both got a job immediately at, bigger, at big schools. Right. Major schools. So, he's clearly now, it's year three for Billy Napier. He clearly knows this is it for me. So I got to win now, so I may as well put guys around me that I feel like I can win with, mm-hmm. right? I told you early, earlier this week and last week that he tried to hire Charlie Weiss Jr. as offensive coordinator. It didn't right. happen. He stayed at Ole Miss. Um, and unless he does it, unless he finds someone else, my guess is he's going to be the guy again to call the plays and to coach the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So and, and we're, so we're going to see how that goes. Yeah. And again, to be fair to him, and I'm being completely fair to him, mm-hmm. That offense in the second half of the season before Mertz got hurt yeah. looked better. Yeah, they were started, driving the ball down the field. Yeah, I wouldn't say started to click. No, but, but they were throwing. They were driving the football yeah. passing games yeah, in I, second I, and third level throws. So I at least was, started to see signs yes, that this was improved. Yes, but, however, they also, as a team, just, I mean, the whole operation is terrible. Mm-hmm. And now the Orlando Sentinel article comes out a couple days ago about how the Florida Collective 
Gator Victorious, Florida Victorious, is struggling to raise money. Yes. Mm-hmm. We, struggling to raise funds. We briefly brought that up yesterday, and Joe and I both mm-hmm. looked at each other and said, man, we wish Matt was here. Can you yeah. expand upon the current state of Florida Victorious? Well, there, I mean, at, at the end of the day, you are what your, what your alumni give you. And that's a huge, more than 500,000 alumni right now, active alumni. And not all are Joe who give, I don't know how much you give. Listen, I, they wanted to double my 990, okay? <laughs> they came to me and said, we need you to double That's $990,000 so, Joe yeah, gives a yeah, year. They, need, um, they, they said, we need, let, we need you to double it. Let yeah. me just say, it's, it's not just those guys. Like, they, they'd appreciate that from anyone. Yeah. It's the big money guys. They're not giving the money. Could that be done on purpose? The yes, they don't like they don't oh, like yeah. the way the direction of the program. Right, that's what I was thinking. If they were winning, mm. then you get money. If you're not winning, you don't get money. This is the thing. Look, I always say this all the time. Losing clearly impacts coaches. You know what the death knell is every single time? Apathy. Every time. Mm-hmm. So if at some point this year, let's say they start out one and three or two and three, and they have a home game and there's fifty five or sixty five thousand there. Forget it. It's over. Yeah. And, and, it's and, over. And that has not happened very often at that university, at least since they started winning. Uh, and this is, uh, there's a difference between BS and PS. That's before Spurrier and post Spurrier because they were passionate fans that were always there, but they hadn't really won anything. They were just, you know, they kept live, riding the wave of hope. Then they started winning, and we all know what happened three national titles later. They started to expect more. Uh, and when they're not getting it, they will turn either, a, a, like you said, turn apathetic and go, you know what? I don't feel like stroking that check, or I don't feel like showing up. Yeah, that's where – look, uh, and, and I know this is going to offend people out there, but you all have to realize this, and you have to – this has to be your come-to-Jesus moment because in more than 100 floor, years of Florida football, you had a couple years in the 80s. Bill Barker made the smart move by hiring a guy who was desperate to come back to his alma mater. Yep. And then Jeremy Foley beat out Notre Dame for Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. So that short span of about – 20 years and over 100 years mm-hmm. is all you got. That's it. Yeah, but that's. Other than that, a lot yeah. of average football. Right. And yeah. you know what, since Urban Meyer, mm-hmm. a lot of average football. Yeah, well, there, there are plenty of other universities that could be described that way that yeah. are still very much in this if they, if they can claw their way back, Clemson being one of them. And you can think of a, a few other ones. Uh, obviously, Georgia has rich history, but there were four decades between titles. Uh, and so things can obviously turn around and bounce back. But this is that key stretch because they don't know if they have the guy. And not, not just that, they are worried they know they don't have Yes. And so with And guess that, what? The people that stroke the checks, yeah. also very worried they know they don't have the right and guy. the point I made to Leon and Mia and JJ <laughs> yesterday was that the university wants you to keep giving your money to the university. And the NIL people want you to keep giving your money to the NIL. And so the collective and – the university, they're both putting their hands out, and these boosters are going, you know what? I'm not seeing what I need to see. And it's two checks that are being written or being asked to be written. That's a lot of money you can't, when you're not getting the return. You cannot have a brand-new $90 million football facility. You cannot be doing 400 to $500 million in renovation to the, to the stadium. You cannot have that brand-new baseball facility. And, and, and what you've done at the O'Connell Center, you know, with the, when they redid that, what, five, six years ago, mm-hmm. all the facility improvements they've done there and just keep having seasons like this with football. Football drives the train. Mm-hmm. No yeah. matter what you do, no matter how good you are at every other sport, football drives everything. Yeah. They can't be five and seven. They can't be six and six. They can't be seven and five. They can't be eight and four. Football drives everything. 
everything. So that's why I keep saying, if you know you don't have the right guy, fire him. Well, yeah, like, pay him off and hire someone else. Right, and, and and it is. I do laugh when you say it because they don't have the money, and yet they're going to need more money to do that. No, but they if because, they if they said they were going to fire him, they yeah. would have gotten the money. Maybe, but they now need money to make somebody go away as well as make somebody show up. And then you have that question: How secure is the next guy going to feel when you're constantly running people off? The next guy doesn't care. You know why the next guy doesn't no. care? Because they all know. They're in it to be fired. You're hired yeah, to be fired. That's number like one. A, you'd like to have a That's little. That's number one. Number two, yeah. they all have gigantic egos. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Number three, they all say, well, it's the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. Why would I not go there and coach right. a great and recruit those players and look at that campus and look at those facilities? I can re- recruit out of the portal to that place. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't I do that? Yeah. On the subject of money to spend and news that Matt missed yesterday when he was out with what are we calling it? The flu? Are we calling walking it the, death. the walking yeah. death? When he was out with the walking death, um, we briefly forayed into the basketball world, Matt, because the news that, I mean, Ross Bjork has been on the job at Ohio State for what, a month? And he files, fires Chris Holtman after eight seasons at Ohio State. The report then comes out from Yahoo Sports that Holtman had would be still owed $15 million. Bjork later revealed it's $12.5 million, which is around the same number that Ryan Day, once upon a time, Matt, said that he would need that for a successful NIL program. Well, I mean. Annually. Annually. I look at Ross, and I see Ross goes in there and sees, all right, that's not working. Guess what? That means he's got to go. But how long have you been there? And then you call call the boosters, and you say, okay, this isn't working. Do you want a successful basketball program? Because I do. Yeah, I do. Okay, let's cut him. Mm-hmm. All right, good. Yeah, but he had been there for a no, long yeah, period of time. No, yeah, he had been there, yeah. but it, yeah. it clearly wasn't working. Right. So, I mean, I, I get it, and I, I know people say, oh, you can't just run a guy off after two years. Yes, you can. Well, if when you, you don't see, have to pay him, you definitely you, can run him off. If, yeah. you see, yeah. if you see where it's headed after two years, if you have on-field data that you watch – Oh, yeah. If you watch a special team's running on the field while the offense is still on the field when you easily could have spiked the ball at the end of your second year, Mm -hmm. that's on-field data right there. Well, just as an example, the on-field data of other coaches in the very beginning of whatever their turnaround was, they had some embarrassing moments like when Florida had to tell FSU, hey, you need another guy on the field because you don't have enough guys on the field. There are embarrassing moments for a lot of these guys, but then they turn the corner. Uh, instead of Kirby Smart, he was called Kirby Dumb when, when he tried the, the fake By the way, punt. that was Willie Taggart. Yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was Willie Taggart. Well, yeah, I'm just saying, any of, those guys, any, any of those guys, any of those guys, I don't want to be in the position where it looks like I'm defending Billy Napier. I'm just simply saying you just can't keep running guys off. I think he is not doing a good enough job to keep his job, but I do want to see one more year before you run him out of there. That's all. That's all I'm looking at. You want to see another year. And by the way, you can't do it now. Five and seven, four and eight. I I think that's probably what what they're in store for, but you can't do it now. No, you can't do it now. They they should have done it. They didn't do it. Uh, Let's hit that right now, though. That just happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. No, Billy Napier has not been fired. (laughs) That would have been epic, though. Uh, Tiger Woods has teed off at Riviera. Slightly into the rough, but eh, a couple feet away from the fairway. Absolutely just blasted it down the first fairway and Good to see Tiger back. What's he wearing? What is he? How's his walk? He has a cream-colored okay. off-white sweater on, as well as khaki 
stone-colored pants. His walk looks fine. Uh, he swung, drove the ball, and before it had even landed, he had already picked up the tee and started walking. Okay. Yeah. I guess the correct gate term looks would be fine. gate. Yes, saying? gate. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because- I, I, watched, I watched that yesterday. Because now that I'm doing my rehab, gait disorder is something I didn't know what it, what it was. Now I totally get it. Is there it. like commercials yeah. for that? I do suffer from a gait <laughs> disorder right now. Anyway, watching Tiger, and especially at Riviera, which has its not a ton of hills, but certainly has hills, uh, he walks fine right now. Good. He doesn't have that pronounced limp. Now, day one to three to four, we'll find out whether the pronounced lip is going to come back. But right now, he looks good. And his swing that looks swing looks good. I was just going to say that. It does look mechanically uh, uh, effortless is not the word. Sound. But, it, yeah, but it looks more effortless than it has before because yeah. we've seen Tiger attack the golf ball. And, and that's why he created so much torque on his body. No more, no more gang- gangster lean. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> no. good. It's giddy up good. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's what you want. And, and, yeah. and, and he, if he can execute the shots, and I, and I maintain this, as much as he had to go through to get back to where he could play, the hardest thing to do, you might consider the easiest thing to do when it comes to what he went through, it's standing over a five-foot putt and making it. Because Drive for show, putt for dough. Yeah, because you, you, you don't need – uh, all the things that he needs to generate a 320-yard drive just standing over a five-foot putt. You, can you make those putts? And he's still struggling with that a uh, little bit. By the way, I asked what he was wearing because he's, like, oh, he debuting new- his new gear. Yeah, yeah. And it does look like he's got a new logo on the front oh, yeah. of his hat in the middle of his shirt. I'm not loving it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're waiting to see it in red. Exactly. So uh, me it's and Joe were just talking about this. Yeah. So on Sunday – He's supposed to like debut his Sunday red gear. Yeah. But the new look red. there is cut. a chance that he could get cut. This is one of the premier events. Signature events, yes. So like there's what, 70, 80 golfers or something? Yeah, it's right at six dozen. Okay, so but if you're not in the top fifty and you're with not within ten strokes of the leader, you can still get cut at this event. So yeah. please, Tiger, stay around. Yeah. So is this just his entire yeah. it's his line or he has <laughs> I Someone think manufacturing his line. It's oh, t- I'm sure Taylor. he's not stitching in himself. Yeah, I'm, no, yeah. I'm not. I know that, JJ. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes he, you can come out, he could literally have his own line is what I'm saying. Well, you figure when he was part of Nike, he definitely created his own line. But Nike la, was the – Yeah, they were the, They were yeah. still the ones putting it out. It just, was supplier. Just like, That's what just, I'm saying. Like, is this through this TaylorMade? Is TaylorMade or, this is yeah. TaylorMade. Yeah. TaylorMade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is through right. TaylorMade, and he's gone back and forth with a different golf ball here and there. Nike doesn't make any clubs anymore, so he's gone back and forth as far as that goes. But, yeah, this is the – uh, new Taylor marketing. May. I don't Tiger even want to know okay. how much one of those sweaters are that no. he's wearing right yeah. now. Uh, well, you know what? We can ask over Lee. under. I'm going to place it at like a hundred and eighty dollars. Uh, I was going to say like one. Yeah, I'm going to say over. Okay, on so that. you're going to say over? Wow, yeah, I'm going to say over. That's on a that. good tease because we do have to break. <laughs> All right, let's keep it going. We'll get back to uh, the National Football League. What did you think of Steve Wilkes being fired? What do you think of your new defensive coordinator stepping to the podium later today? We'll keep it all rolling right here on XL Primetime. Grilling Up Lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. What was that line we just said about golf? You, you drive for show, you putt. Third dough. Guess who just putted and made birdie on hole one at Riviera? Eldrick. Eldrick. Tiger Woods. One under. He's one under. 
Charlie it's, Hoffman currently in the lead. Of course, the uh, runner-up. I was about to say the winner. The runner-up <laughs> last week at the Waste Management Open, picking up where he left off. He is currently four under. I, I love when guys get hot, and uh, he is one of those guys who was a streaky, streaky player. But he hasn't won in a long time. Uh, and, gosh, I think it's been eight years since Charlie Hoffman last won. So he's turning back the clock if he can keep it going. But Riviera is a tough, tough place over the course of four days. Uh, and – the rolling hills, but there's, I think it's a par 70. It might be a par 71, but anyway, there's only a couple of scoring holes in the, in the form of par fives. And then there's a drivable par four tenth uh, that players, you would think that they would feast on it. Mm-mm. It is one tough, short par four. A bit of housekeeping as we roll through the 12 o'clock hour right here on XL primetime. Maddie Hayes back in the house after a two day absence. Leon Cersei, Joe C, Mia O'Brien and JJ LaSelva, the gang all back together. But we do want to give you guys the heads up that at 1.30 we will be carrying Ryan Nielsen, the first-year defense coordinator for your Jacksonville Jaguars, introductory press conference live. Because of that, we can only carry it over terrestrial radio. So if you're driving around in your car, 92.5 FM, 10.10 AM, you're good. Don't worry. If you're listening on YouTube, if you're listening on the app, we unfortunately cannot carry the press conference live. I even have made a nice little graphic for you, YouTube, Facebook, and X folks. That'll mm-hmm. say... Please go to the Jaguars YouTube if you would like to hear from Ryan Nielsen. And then you can tune on back in whenever that press conference is over. And we will be back on the air right here on XL Primetime. Yeah, it's theirs. And we appreciate them letting us borrow it just so we can hear it. Uh, And I don't know exactly how much we'll get from this, uh, Leon. But uh, I I think I just want to hear maybe more than anything else attitude, uh, what he's going to ask of his players. You know, just the type. It's not going to be. All perfect, but just the kind of personality and, 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 and yeah. approach that he's got. Yeah, have. I, you know, I just want to hear the, the philosophies, the accountabilities, the game plan, uh, you, know, uh, you know, how he's going to hold the guys, um, you know, what, what kind of scheme is he going to run, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, just the, the minor stuff. You know, he's not going to say anything major, I don't think. I mean, he's not going to break down, you know, what he's going to do as far as the seasons go, but it's just going to be an introductory uh, presser where he, you know, let it, he introduce himself to everybody and just let them know that he's probably happy to be with the Jaguars and, you know, what he's going to do with the players. And mm-hmm. I'm sure he's talked to a lot of the guys that are on the team right now and had conversations with him to see, you know, let them know that, um, you know, what we're going to do this year. So it, 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 I think it'll be a profound meeting. I don't think it's going to be anything detailed, so to say. What do we think in terms of uh, following up on or circling back, I should say, to Trent Balky's remark that, it's not necessarily a man-to-man defense. There's some zone elements to it. Do we think we're going to get in the nitty-gritty of that? Yeah, well, he, he, he may. I don't know if he's going to preference that. Uh, but, um, you, you know, if you look at the defenses that he ran last year against Atlanta, most of it's been, most of it's been man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and so Coach Campo said it immediately, yeah. trust me. It's man. Yeah. It's man. It's man. It's man. I mean, compared to what we ran mm-hmm. and what he ran and man, uh, I mean, we only ran like, what, man, 18% of the time last year. He ran like 56% of the time. But so it's man concepts. Mm-hmm. The question is, do we have the personnel right. to run man concepts? And if not, are we going to get the personnel to run man concepts? So yeah, we're gonna, the, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, million-dollar question right there mm-hmm. because that's what you ultimately want to know is what type of style – and what type of player, and can you match both of them up? You can't come in here and be hard-headed and say, this is how I'm going to do it. you got to go find me the players, and we're going to stink until you do. You better figure out best way to use best player. Yeah, and also, I mean, you, you've got some guys, you know, on the back end are going into the last year of their contracts. 
they're they, they're either going to excel or be exposed in this defense because mm-hmm. of the, man, these guys you're talking about you're talking about Darius Leonard and you're talking about Tyson Campbell. The mass majority of the stuff that they've been running has been zone has been zone concepts. So if you go in the man, you got guys going there last year of their contracts. You right. don't want to get paid. You know they're either going to excel in it or they're going to get exposed in it. Or you got to go find somebody that's going to help you mm-hmm. win that can play that kind of that kind of defense. Yeah, there was one piece that was written, uh, Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated, that just loved on Ryan, ne- Ryan Nielsen. He said outside of the head coaching hires, he thinks that this is going to be the best assistant coach hire. I don't know, but I would like to see a resurrection on that side of the ball because they were takeaway machines in the beginning, but they just gave up so many yards down the stretch. Yeah, We've got to figure that out. The, the takeaways kind of uh, overshadowed the fact that they couldn't get off the field. Yeah. Especially on third down. That yeah. was the issue. Um, and, and that's really what it is as much as anything. That's, that would be something I would ask. Them, it's a simple question. Mm-hmm. And, you, know, you can put guys on the spot, and they just talk. And they'll just keep talking. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you plan? What's your philosophy on getting, getting off the field on third down? Period. Mm-hmm. And they'll just start talking. So that's what I think needs to be asked. How do you get off the field on third down? How, specifically? Explain to me how you do it. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear exactly how, how their plan is to get these guys off the field so the offense can get back on the field, which right. is the key to them. And I think we all know the third down on both sides of the ball was the biggest struggle, keeping the ball and then giving the ball back to the offense. Both of them were major struggles. You can look at third down uh, percentage. You can take a look at what they weren't able to do, uh, especially with third and long. Hell, third and short, they weren't able to do it. One thing I don't think that he will speak to, because, of course, this is all on Trent Baalke in the front office and how they want to construct this 2024 Jaguars team. But what I am most curious about as we truly head into the heart of the offseason, draft season, free agent season, is will Ryan Nielsen bring players he was familiar with, has worked with previously, to Duval? We saw it when he left New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And he went to Atlanta. We saw several players who followed him. We saw several coaches who he worked with in New Orleans and worked with in Atlanta come here to Jacksonville so far. And so that's where I'm very curious to see that sort of influence. And again, I don't think he's going to say anything about that today. And I also wouldn't be surprised if the North Carolina State influence from his time there also comes into play. It's kind of underrated. You know, we've talked so much about his success, even if it was in a lost season for Atlanta and his success in New Orleans. I mean, he was coaching Bradley Chubb at NC State. And there's an article floating around out there how they have to all but tell Harold Landry, sorry, we're going with Chubb. You got to go to a different school. We don't have the scholarship or the space for you to start right away. And so clearly he was doing something right in developing pass rushers at the college level. And so I think the big question today, if I had to guess, if there's a soundbite that's going to come out of it, is what becomes of Trayvon Walker? Is he an outside linebacker? Do Does his role him? change? Yeah. How do you see him? And, and I, I still think the possibility exists of him being still somewhat of a hybrid. And Calais Campbell, when it was all said and done, was kind of a hybrid when you think about it. Now, he was in a three-man front and then in a four-man front. Three-man front, he definitely had to play outside. Four-man, he could go inside. And we saw what Calais was capable of doing. Uh, Trayvon Walker is a big enough human being that can still maintain his athleticism and put a little weight on <laughs> and then – Long down and distant situations, he can go inside and still create pressure. You know what? I think I do, what I appreciate the most about him is the fact that he used to be a defensive line coach. Mm-hmm. Even though he's a defensive coordinator, that means that he's going to be a lot more interactive with those guys when it comes because it starts up front. It's like it starts up front with the offensive line. It starts up front with the defensive line. 
you know, the fact that he was a D-line coach, I mean, he, he seems like somebody that could get in the ear, get in the mindset of the defensive front when, mm-hmm. it, has to, when, it, has, when it comes to having to get after the passer or having to stop the run and all that kind of stuff. Because the key component to any defense is how well your defensive front plays in stopping mm-hmm. the run and getting after the passer. And yeah. him being a defensive line coach, I'm sure he's going to be inspiring those guys and he's going to be motivating those guys because he understands that the bell cowl of the defense is the guy, the front four guys who play at that position. Which we remember Joe Cullen, a former defensive line coach, now once again a defensive line coach, came to Duval as a D.C. And there were Mm -hmm. question marks, and I think this is a larger philosophical question, Leon. Offensive line coaches, defensive line coaches, are they so bogged down in the nuances of those positions that maybe they can't see – you know, the, the forest from the trees, if you may, of secondary linebacker play. Um, I mean, Joe Cullen, tremendous yeah. guy, great D-line coach. I will tell you at practices, uh, he was hanging out with Tosh LePoy in the defensive line almost exclusively during practices under Urban Meyer. Um, but maybe that's just one guy. And I think that Ryan Nielsen has proven that he has the the wherewithal mm-hmm. to understand an entire defense. Well, I mean, my, my my experience with offensive line coaches is that they, you know, they they're so entrenched in the offensive line play, they they don't give a damn about what's going on outside of that. They figure that if you handling your business, your protection, or your running, and take care of everything else, right? You know, so I've I've just been around some some outstanding offensive line coaches collegiately and professionally that be so entrenched in the offensive line and the double teams and and the stopping the twists and the breakdown here and breakdown there, that everything else that's going on, they say, listen, you handle what's going on in here. Right. It takes care of everything else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so you're going to be heading down yes, to the stadium. headed down to the stadium. We'll be back. <clears throat> uh, we also have Denny Thompson coming up at 2 o'clock, so yeah. excited to hear him kind of react from the offensive side of things when it comes to Ryan Nielsen. Yes, yeah, so we'll see what he has to say. Uh, you, Matt mentioned one of the guys leaving the University of Florida to go coach up in Washington, another because they're introducing that whole staff. You had mentioned Ken Norton. Yeah, Jr. Ken Norton Jr. Also, I think he's going to be the linebackers coach at uh, the Washington Commander. And Sheree Floyd, a mm. former Gator, yeah. is also being mm-hmm. introduced on that staff. So it's anyway, it's it's interesting. But let's get into the college football playoff vote that's coming up next week. We talked about it yesterday. Matt's back, so let's get into that coming up on XL Primetime. <laughs> Grilling up lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. Uh, I'm looking at one guy right now when I'm saying this, and I know that it's in him to have this happen. That's that's how I'm leading off the 1 o'clock hour. I look at this one guy, and I know it's in him to have this happen. Welcome to the 1 o'clock hour, Joe C., Matty Hayes, Big Surce, JJ, with Mia off to uh, heading down to the Mecca, and they will carry the Ryan Nielsen uh, presser on our air, but she will be down there along with Hayes and many others uh, with the Q&A with the brand-new defensive coordinator. So I am, I think, getting like just a little bout of asthma or allergy season, allergic reaction to something. So anyway, you can hear me over here coughing. I hope that's it. You, say it again. I hope that's just it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Again, see, you did you exactly. can't listen to Matt. Just you did you exactly what the people. Listen, Matt will put the mojo on you. I know. Time. Whatever you think you're going through, he's going. it's worse. It's so. <laughs> you <laughs> brought the funk in last I month, I didn't man. bring nothing. I didn't bring anything in. But you got mad at those people for immediately telling yeah. you you might have had something else. And then same thing. All right, so here's what I've got. I don't know what I've got. 
I've got either in like just maybe, don't claim it. Whatever it is, don't claim it. Don't speak it. Don't yeah. speak it. Don't say it. Don't so, even speak it in. Don't even speak it. Okay, so let me just ask you this basic question. <laughs> it was worse right. than Rona for two days. Believe me. All right. Me. Yeah. So let me just ask you this basic question. I'm starting. You guys hear me over here coughing, so I'm losing a little bit of breath. I, I mm-hmm. suffer from asthma. I don't have it very often, but anyway, I, whenever I do get it, you know, I'm like, I know this is coming. I'm going to have to go get uh, the inhaler. So anyway, I was looking at my bag. I had switched out the bag. I couldn't find my inhaler. I went into uh, the cubicle and I found one, and it's an old albuterol from 2012. You think this is still any good? Uh, 2012. Can you hear it? Negative. Yeah, I I took a you took a swig. I took a hit. Yeah. 2012. From 2012. And so then, this is the part where I know Matt. As How soon long as have you had that bag? Uh, I don't know. This was in the drawer. This was in the cubicle drawer. Oh, right. Yeah, and, and like whenever you would go to the doctor, you'd always say, "They go, well, do you need a prescription for this?" And right. I'm like, uh, "I don't need it very often. But go ahead and write me one." And that way, at least you can have right. them sitting around if you need it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know whether a 2012 uh, inhaler of albuterol is still good. So let me know. But here's the part that where this is where Matt jumps in. So it says common side effects may include chest pain, fast or pounding heartbeats, dizziness, upset stomach, vomiting, painful urination, feeling shaky or nervous, headache, back pain, on and on and on. And so as soon as Matt hears these side effects, he's like, I think I'm feeling it right now. I think I'm feeling it. No, right? I, no? No. I, I didn't have like half those. It was just – I was literally sleeping for like 20 hours yeah. each day. Yeah. Uh, I – I don't know how you do it. Like, what would knock you down to twenty hours out that long? Bro, I like, couldn't get Heroin. out of bed. I literally could not get out of bed. <clears throat> no, that's bad, bro. Yeah, it was not good. All right, we are off coughing up a storm here. I don't know what's going on inside. I'm trying you. to go to Italy in a week. Yeah, guys. JJ warned us all. You and Blake got to stay. Hey. You got to stay wear away a mask. from the funk, man. This is the first time I've been pro mask. Yeah, I'm it's not this. It's it's going around, man. Bro, you're gonna need a leave of absence, bro. But, yeah, maybe I should take an extra week off before. Exactly. Before you're gone for 40 days. Yeah, exactly. Do you uh, do you have to wear a mask when you were going overseas? No. Okay, I'm just curious. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> that, what's going that on. Are sure about over, that, man. JJ? I'm positive. All right. I, I still see people in masks. I, don't know I see people here walking down the street in a mask by I themselves, do. dude. Yeah, I see them driving down the road by I, themselves like, uh, with a mask. You know, I see a lot of people that are working at – like gas stations or whatever that come into contact with a lot of people. Like I don't get it, but I I guess if you're gonna wear that. a mask, yeah. then that would be the place. But yeah, I still see people by themselves, you know, walking down the street. It's like, when is this gonna end yeah. for these people? I Never. Know. I mean, yeah. maybe clear clean air is just not good for you, man. <laughs> yeah, sunshine and clear air. Is just <laughs> Listen, terrible. the only thing I learned out of wearing the mask is that I need to brush my teeth more often, though, and, and carry some yeah. tic tacs around. Uh, because I think maybe more people might have found that out. When they put their mask on, they went, dang. Uh, is this me? <laughs> wow. You know what they need, right? I need to date you with Colgate. They need. Uh. They need, do you have a tongue scraper? You have what? A, a tongue scraper. I don't, but I use my toothbrush. So you know all the bacteria that's on your tongue when you go to sleep at night? You got to scrape that off, man, oh, after yeah. you brush your teeth, bro. Brushing that's your where tongue your bad breath comes from, bro. Your tongue, I brush bro. my tongue all the time. Yeah, but you're getting to scrape. You got to scrape. <laughs> you got to scrape it. Scrape it, bro. Really? Tell Are you telling me that would have kept the funk away? I mean, I, hey, I'm not, I don't know. You would be healthy right now. You'd be healthy, yeah, bro. Get a scraper. All right, we've got to we've got to unveil another round of the great transfer portal debate, oh, uh, yes. courtesy of Leon. Before we do that, let's get to the playoff vote that's coming up next week, Matt. They already came out with what is it a three year deal or a six year deal with ESPN? Six year deal with ESPN at beginning in twenty twenty six. Yeah, one point three billion dollars just right. for the college football playoff alone. Nothing else. And that is a total of 
10 games. 11 games. 11? Yep. 11? Okay. So, $1.3 billion. And we know that, obviously, they're going to try and control this bad boy. So, before we get to the actual vote next week, uh, they are going to basically control everything from now until 2036, right? Yeah. And, and they're not going to farm this off like we were talking about where Fox was wanting to bite off a piece of maybe the, the NCAA tournament or whatever. None of that's going to happen with this particular no, they, deal. No, they have the ability to farm it okay. off. Okay. They have the ability to sub-license, which they'll probably do to either NBC or Fox or who knows, Amazon, whoever wants to pay them the most amount of money. Okay, listen yes. to this. This, this is, it's there. It's now. See, they did it this way, and they they're spending so much money with that in mind. That was the key to the whole deal because they want to be able to sub sub license and make money off it. Mm -hmm. Because if you know, they're they're still going to make money off it even with paying one point three billion. But if you can sub license a game for who knows how much, then it's a different deal. Then you're talking about another stratosphere of money, the ability to, to generate revenue. Everybody's in it to generate generate revenue, and the Players on the field get a dime of it. Well, they will. I, yeah, we know oh, that's, yeah. Coming. Yeah. that's coming. That's coming. That's coming. Yeah. We won't have to. I mean, yeah. I mean, we, I don't know but. if it's going to be half, but it'll be close. Huh? It'll be close. Listen, if you got one point three billion, I mean, we, it can't be no sixty forty split. So think about this, and I know, every, I know, this is a big bugaboo to talk about in sports, but the the one point three billion annually in twenty twenty six will be on top of what the SEC and the Big Ten will already pay their schools. So the SEC and the Big Ten alone make probably around $2.4 billion annually beginning next year. Billion annually, mm -hmm. $2.4. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you add the Big 12 and the ACC and the other Power Four conferences, then you're over $3 billion. Mm -hmm. You add the playoff on top of that, then you're over $4 billion. You're at like $4.3, $4.4 annually. Okay. $4.4 Right. So quick question. The one point three billion for to televise the college football playoff is that divvied up to all the schools or just the no, ones that make it? Just no, it's it's divvied up to the the so the large amount is divvied to well, everybody gets their share, okay? As far as the Power Five, so that means everybody gets a chunk the of five. the one point three, yeah, even if they don't make the playoff. Even if they don't make the playoff. Hey, Vandy, we're still giving you a check, okay? The group, we beat you. it's just part of the payouts of the conferences, right? Then the okay. group of five gets lesser, and the FCS gets basically nothing, point five percent, something like that. Okay, okay. Okay. So, but there's also a pool within the playoff structure, the payoff structure, where the further you get in the playoff, the more money you make. Okay, it's like a bonus, as so, you should. Right. So, and I hate to get in the weeds here, but this is this is how this all unfolded, and this is the reality of the situation. The Big Ten, back with the Alliance and the ACC. Mm -hmm. and and the and the Pac-12, they started that alliance because they were so focused on getting USC and Notre Dame initially. When Notre Dame said no, then they went to UCLA. They were so focused on getting them that they made this phony alliance, okay, to block the playoff, which with the playoff being blocked and still sticking at four teams, USC and UCLA had to go. There was, no, there was no other choice they could make. So you're saying they're getting theirs. Yes. So the point is, had this playoff been intact, what, two years ago when this happened, mm -hmm. the Pac-12 would still be in existence. Because the further you go in the playoff, the more money you can make. Mm -hmm. So the idea of, okay, well, USC, why, why would they stay in Pac-12 where they're not going to make as much money as they would in the Big Ten? Well, they could if they had a good enough team where they're advancing in the playoffs. 
Right. Same with UCLA. Now, not on the same level, of course, because they haven't had found the right coach. But the point is, there was a carrot out there for those guys to go get. Mm-hmm. All right? The carrot was there for them to go get. But they were convinced by Kevin Warren to join this alliance because it was the big, bad SEC. And, and look, I, I totally get it. At the time, you're trying to protect whatever you think you need to protect. It was just meaning- completely underhanding is what it was. Well, yeah, yeah. But it's it's like I always argue at the same time, as, as clean as it was with Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC and not fully knowing every bit of the conversation or the timeline of the conversation, it was still underhanded. It was still, we're, we either want to get out of this or we want them to come over here. So, and everyone was playing for keeps. And this became a high stakes poker game, territory like you haven't seen uh, at stake in, in our college football landscape. I That's think for, for sure. I, I don't for disagree, but I think the only difference is, is Texas and Oklahoma approached the SEC and wanted out of the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that way with USC and UCLA. Yeah. They were approached by the Big 10. Mm-hmm. Big difference. So, 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 Matt, respectively, what could the players be looking at in two years as far as pay for play? Are we talking a hundred grand a player? So here's the thing: well, don't they have to like have somebody fight for them? Like they don't have a union. No, like that, who, that's who the whole is, thing. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's it's going to happen. There's but like steps. How? There's steps that will happen. First off, and this is what another other people also you know we're we're focusing on the 2026 the contract that starts in 2026. They're getting a significant increase for the two games, two playoffs in 2024 and 2025, too, because it's no longer a 14 playoff. Now it's mm-hmm. a 12 team playoff. All right. So that number is going to go up, too. That number might reach close to a billion, too, for the next two years. Right. All right. So that's a lot of money. Again, I said it earlier 4.3, 4.4 billion, billion, billion annually that these conferences are making. And you know pay-for-play is coming. It has to. absolutely is coming. You cannot make that kind of money and then say, yeah, we're not going to pay these guys anything. It's going to happen. It's just the problem is you got to figure it out logistically. How how do they create a union? How do they have a collective bargaining agreement? It's a lot like the NFL. And who gets paid what? very similar. And who gets paid what? Now, the difference is it's not going to be like the NFL as far as, you know, some guy gets paid X and the other guy gets paid Y. I think they're all going to get paid the same thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh. I, I I would be fine with that because everyone's sharing in it. Yeah, collectively. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, I think the coaches will be uh, uh, feel a little bit better because now they have these kids locked in contractually. So if they have, you know, they well, they're still going to be in L.A. Yes, yeah, 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 still yeah, in L.A. Yeah, 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 yeah. you know, but contractually, you, I mean, does the portal go away once pay for play goes in? No, I don't think in? I don't think the portal goes away, but I think the idea of constantly moving goes away. Yeah, I think you, I think if you the, what they're going to do is they're going to say, look. We're going to give you a contract. You're going to sign with us. You will sign a contract okay? Yeah. that you're going to play here for, for four years. Unless X, Y, or Z happens, you know, you're, you're playing here. X, Y, and Z could be any, any number of things. But it will be narrowed down to where – not where it is right now where you can just leave for any reason. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. And, well, and the money you make, you've got yeah. to stay there to, to get it. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing. I did, I did the math for one team, all right? So – you got let's say you got a hundred players making a hundred thousand dollars, right? That's just ten million dollars. That's that's way too low. Yeah, well, but you do also, that you're also only doing eighty five players, not a hundred. Yeah. Okay, yeah. eighty five. Eighty five. Yeah, eighty five. And the other guys, they're walk ons. That's eight point five million. Eight point five. Is that enough for the players? Do you, do you think each that's making a hundred thousand? Each making each hundred hundred thousand. So now do that times uh, one hundred and thirty five. Well, not all of them are going to be able to do it. Yeah. They're just not. Right. They're just not going to be able to do it. Yeah. So. 
with so, the big dog. So do it by the big dog. Do it by 50? times 65. 65. So and then you'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of cheddar. That's a lot of cheese. Yeah. Not bad. All right. All right. So we will stay on that. You guys can hit us on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures at 641-1010. What you're thinking there. Now, uh, just great transfer portal debate with mm-hmm. Leon. And all I want you to do is name the position that we're doing coming up here in a second. Okay. But uh, the great transfer portal debate is Yeah, we're doing running backs. Okay. Running backs. Running backs. And it's going back in time if the transfer portal was alive. Absolutely. I got five, you pick four. Okay. And they some pretty all time grades. It's gonna be very hard. This one's gonna be pretty hard. All right, we'll do that coming up on XL Primetime. Grilling up lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. I would like to thank one of our yeah, nooners up, JJ, for letting me know that the um, albuterol from 2012 is solid. It's good. Mm. As long as it's producing the spray. It's spraying, man. There's no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah, I showed it to you. It's, it's yeah. out there. And look, I'm just trying to, to breathe right because there's nothing more important than than breathing. Yeah. The most important. That's yeah. true. A lot of people are saying pollen. Yeah. Uh, Denmark has been having pollen issues in oh, yeah. here recently as well. So uh, maybe it's that. It's out there, man. And I've never really, like I said, not necessarily allergic to pollen, but it is dust to me. And that's what I'm allergic to. Mm-hmm. Imagine being, I'm so soft. Imagine being allergic to dust of all things. All right. Great. Mm-hmm. Transfer portal debate, Leon, and you yeah. came up with this because it's old school. If we had it the transfer portal back in the day, yeah, we had the transfer portal back in the day. I, I, I took a list, a laundry list of the all-time greats, and just wonder if those guys were in the portal. Your team, in particular, mm-hmm. who would you pick? All right, so today this might be a tough one. Today we got running backs, all-time great running backs, specifically. All right, number one, we're gonna pick five, and you, you mm-hmm. got to give me your four. All right, number five, AP. All right, Oklahoma Sooners, bad boy. Oh my gosh, he's yes. a bad boy at, at Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Absolutely, just terrorizing, terrorizing. He was a grown man. He yeah. was a grown as man. as a freshman from day one. As a freshman from, from day, day one, one, I remember him absolutely. All right, number two, Reggie Bush, mm. USC. Mm. All right, one of the most fun players to watch. I called him a joystick. Yeah. All right, he was. I mean, elusive. Moves. I mean, it was like playing the video. Catch game. the ball out of the back. Catch backfield. the ball out of the backfield. Absolutely. All right. It was okay That's... getting pushed in the ass to win a game. <laughs> See, there you go. That plays popular now. <laughs> it is. That was the tush push before the tush push. Absolutely. All right. Number three, Bo Jackson, mm-hmm. Auburn, War Eagle. Hell of a college football player. Hell of a player. Hell, Hell of, of an player. athlete. Athlete altogether. Yeah, you're grimacing over there. Well, because bit. the. And I guess I have to go back and look at the stat sheets because, like these other gay, these other guys that you've named, mm-hmm. I didn't see them come up short in big moments. Mm. And I that's it's a little bit of the memory I have of, of Bo Jackson. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's I, fair. That's right fair. or wrong? That's I, fair. I, War Eagle right. be War Eagle be getting mad at me right of now. Of course, yeah. But yeah, he was such a great player. All right, number four, Herschel Walker. Oh. Speaking of coming up big he in was. big moments. Absolutely. Yeah. Nightmares. Yeah. Nightmare, absolutely, at Georgia. All right. And number five, Barry Sanders, mm-hmm. Oklahoma State. Man. Which we went through his college we numbers. Ridiculous. <laughs> he went, you couldn't even do that on EA Sports, man. Well, they said, uh, and I was going back to, to look at the numbers that he had when he went over 2,000 yards. Mm-hmm. And in the first, I think it was the first two or three games, he had a total of 
like 50 yards. Like 50 86 yards. Yard, yeah. yeah, something Maybe crazy. 53 yards. Yeah. And then he averaged, made up for it. averaged 140 yeah. yards per game the, the, the next uh, 14 games, which yeah. is just insane. So just think about your team right now, mm-hmm. whoever it may be. Herschel. Herschel. Barry Bo. Sanders. Uh, Barry. Bo. AP. And Reggie Bush. Those mm-hmm. five right there. It's funny. I was explaining Barry Sanders to JJ, and I said, JJ, that's 11 games, not 12. Yeah. And also, not the bowl game. Right. Because yeah. they didn't count bowl games back then. Mm-hmm. No, no. So if you counted his bowl games, what was the number? If, we, if you counted his bowl games, we came up with like 26-something. Yeah, right? we did the uh, like it was over I, I think he had like rushing. 150 yards in a bowl game or something. 2,600 yeah. yards rushing yet in one season. He, uh, he was one quick cat he that was. would drive you crazy if you were a defender. And he, would, he was like, I'm sure there were people before him. But he's the one on a on a football field that made that ankle break move on you. That, oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. That was, and, and you just got lost uh, yeah. in space. Yeah, he's <laughs> honestly he's all deference to Herschel. He's number one. The list is the other four. Like, who would you choose that? Okay, of? so then I'm I'm thinking Reggie. Mm. I am thinking Reggie Bush because of the the dynamics that he presents, uh, running the football and out of the backfield catching the football. And just so so graceful, like no, you're not going to lose with any of these guys. Mm-hmm. But I do think I might I might stump for Reggie. You like Bush the versatility. Yeah, you like he Reggie, had but major yeah, versatility. Absolutely. absolutely. Okay. All right. You, you know, guys. Str- yeah. Strangely, got- I might go with AP. That's uh, what I was thinking. Yeah. Wow. Just Strange. pure strength. Recency bias. I like it. <laughs> yeah. But that speed too. That speed. Once he got oh, you know in the open field, up, it was bro. crazy. Oh, man, he, he had some giddy up. Absolutely. You can like almost see him hit that gear too. Exactly. All right, great transfer portal debate. You guys hit the text line, 641-1010. You can jump on YouTube and give us a, a thought there. But you've got it. Herschel, Bo, Barry, Reggie, uh, and AP. Let us know which one you would go with if you have one to choose to bring to your school as we get ready for Ryan Nielsen and his presser down at the Mecca. This is XL Primetime, brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. All right, we're back on primetime. Matt Hayes, Joe Coward, Leon Cersei. We are waiting. Coordinator for your new Jaguars defense. The press conference, I should say. The new Jaguars defensive coordinator. All right, I've secured my cough drops. You good now? I got them all. Just trying to make sure that I'm good to go. Ready to rock and roll. Uh, But I I think once we go down there, just a reminder to everybody, you got to remember, you cannot hear us with this presser on your app. So if you're listening to either the 92.5 FM app or the 1010XL app. Or YouTube. Yeah, or YouTube. You will not be able to hear it. You'll be able to hear it over the air, AM, FM. Uh, but just go to jaguars.com because they will carry this bad boy live. Oh, not yet. Give me a second. Okay. Yeah. Re- All right, so you're going to hear Riley Nielsen shortly here. Mm-hmm. So you picked in your great transfer portal debate. Yeah, AP. Okay, AP. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Here we okay. go. All right, let's All right, head right, down right. To, the, to the Mecca. Other than wanting your unit to give 100% effort all the time, what what is most important to you in terms of stressing what you want out of your unit? Yeah, good question. So first of all, we're going to be kind of the overview of everything is is we want to be attacking and aggressive in everything that we do. How we fit the run, how we attack blocks, how we play coverage. We want to be a forward-leaning, forward-running, going-forward defense. and you're going to say, well, what about in the secondary and backpedaling out of that? But when we make our break, we're coming out of that break to go hit you. Um, and so that's kind of the, you know, the, the two things that every day that the players come in, we want to stress. 
Um, there's some things, fundamental things, that tackling takeaways, ball disruption, and pursuit. And that's what we're going to be about. Tackling takeaways, ball disruption. You know, you have to be a good tackling defense to be a good defense. Takeaways are the number one way to limit points. Uh, ball disruption is um, making the offense play not on time. You know, we're, we're, we're taking away a, a running lane or making a ball bounce or disrupting the quarterback. And then pursuit, you know, keeping the ball inside, proper angles, you know, running and hitting. And so uh, that's what we're going to be about. That's what we're going to stress. That'll be the first thing we talk about with the guys before we even start talking scheme or, you know, stance or anything like that. We'll, we'll start at, at that will be our foundation and we'll go from there. What made this an attractive landing spot for you? Well, a lot of things. Um, so really, you know, when you, when you start looking at an opportunity, you look at the people in the building. Uh, you look at the head coach. Uh, coach Peterson um, did not know him personally before this, but you do your research and um, you talk to people that have worked with him, know him. I was fortunate to be on a staff that had a coach that had worked for Coach Peterson before, and um, he said some unbelievable things about him. And then you started calling around just a couple of guys, just, you know, you, you want to check, in, and it's so important that you work with good people, and, and we're so close in this thing. and. We spend so many hours a day away from our families with these men in here, and, and you, you want to be around good people. And so that was the first thing. Um, and then Trent, you know, you hear the same things, you know, and so you start working your way down. Uh, Mr. Khan, the owner, I mean, you, you know, what's the organization about? How is the owner? And then didn't know that they built the facility. And then you start doing the roster research, and you kind of know a little bit. But then as you start digging into this thing, you're like, you know what? This is a great place. This is a place that, that we want to bring our family to and be a part of. This is a place that we want to help take the next step. Um, and so, you know, when we kind of looked at the whole package and everything that was going on, it was, there was no doubt this is where we wanted to be. What are you doing? You were in Disney World when you came up for <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, um, so uh, the first time the slip came in, it was denied. Um, that's a whole nother story, but it, that's a good story. Um, and so we decided that, you know, we had a little time off and that they were going through their process and interviewing and things like that. And so, so we took the family down, um, <laughs> we took them down to, to Disney world and we were on the small world and eventually the, the slip got, uh, uh, granted permission for the slip. And so we're sitting on, and I've got our kids and my wife's on the other end and, we just sat down on the boat and got a text from Coach Peterson, basically said, hey, Ryan, it's Coach, and we'd like to talk to you, you know, that type of deal. And I looked at my wife, and I'm like, how long is this going to be? Like, <laughs> got to make a call, right? And so you don't realize I, I was on, I can't remember the last time I was on a small world, but it seemed about a half an hour that ride and eventually got off and it worked out. But, yeah, so that's how it all, and then um, we were down there, and it was really easy came up for the interview and kind of went from there so uh, yeah it was pretty pretty interesting how it all worked out Ryan, you, who are some uh, mentors who, who have really helped you get to this point with you credit yeah um, so played and worked for Ed Ogeron um, he was a huge influence um, Pete Jenkins uh, defensive line coach for a long long time um, have to give credit to uh, Pete Carroll uh, my senior year at USC he was the head coach um, and then there's been coaches and, and players over the years that, you know, can't, there's so many people that you'd, you'd, you'd want to mention um, one way or another, but um, have been very blessed in that, have been around Monty Kiffin and Norm Chow um, 
Alex Gibbs, like all these guys over the years, and just, you know, when I was a younger coach, I really didn't, um, I guess, understand at the time I was so young, um, kind of all the knowledge that when we were at Ole Miss and, and these guys were coming in with, you know, Ogeron was the head coach and that, man, it was just a, a football education. And you kind of really didn't until years later, you went back in your notes and you're like, man, that's, you're very fortunate to be at a place at that time. Um, wish we could have won a few more games, but just for the football wise and football IQ is, um, so that's kind of where the, the school, but really, you, you know, even with Arthur Smith last year, and, um, you, uh, Sean Payton in New Orleans, you know, you, you pick and, and you bring uh, things that you like from everybody and uh, learned a lot from those guys. And, and Sean was huge in the first opportunity in coaching in the NFL. And so uh, I'd be remiss not to mention him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could go on and on. There could be an hour conversation, but that's kind of where the foundation. You mentioned looking that you had a chance to look at the roster. What are your first impressions of the players you'll be coaching? Yeah, I um, think that we're talented. We, we've got a talented group. Um, we've got some really good players, and that um, and that's what was exciting and attracted us about the job here. Um, but uh, look, talent only gets you so far, right? And so we're really excited to get to work with these guys. They seem very eager, you know, you try to reach out and just introductions. Hello, how you doing? You know, um, introduce yourself, things like that. And, and the staff and the guys are seem very eager and, and to get going. Obviously, the season just ended. So we, you know, we need a break and we're just getting going here staff wise. Um, so this is a good time, but it, it is a really good time to, to start building relationships, which is really huge in what we do, right? It's about relationships and people. And so this is a great time that a couple of these guys are just coming up. Hey, Coach, you know, introduce and put a face with a name, things like that. So it's, it's been very positive. Do you have any early thoughts uh, at this point about how you would like to use Trayvon Walker? Obviously, he's been mostly on, on the edge. We knew very, uh, I think there was like maybe 10 to a dozen plays last year where he moved inside. Mm -hmm. uh, do, you, do you feel like he might be best suited playing more inside, or, or have you not really gone, really thought that through yet? Here's kind of our philosophy with the players is, is we're going to put the player in a position that he can have success first over the scheme. And so we're going to evaluate everything that he does well. And then if he can rush inside, then we'll put him inside, Gene. If he's more of a better outside rusher, we'll keep him outside. Yes, we've evaluated those things, but 10 snaps is not enough to say that, yes, he can do that or he can't do that. And so we'll, we'll identify that once we get to OTAs and, in, you know, and, and so it, it, the process is, is never ending, you know, and, and we'll, we'll put our guys in the best positions for them to have success. And then ultimately we will have success on defense and as a team. You kind of just mentioned it, but how important is it for you to sort of mold, not necessarily mold the players to your scheme, but maybe vice versa? And how much did you learn sort of from going from New Orleans with those type of players and going to Atlanta with a different set of players? How, how different is it and what can you bring here? That was a great process. It was a really good process. First, the collaboration with the coaches that we had brought in in Atlanta. And we got in there and, and it was one of my favorite times coaching in that we, we threw up a template and said, hey, this is kind of what's been done before. Let's make it us. And that's the process that we're going through right now. And so all the coaches are having input on what we're doing. Um, and so it's all of our defense. Um, so that's, that's a really cool process. And then we've studied the roster in that we have a pretty good idea of where we'll start with our players, you know, and, and some of the techniques that we, we would like to teach them. And then, uh, and then we'll start moving them around to see what else they can do well. 
And so there's that process that we just did is we're kind of doing it again. Um, some similarities and some differences. But the ultimate is this is going to be Jacksonville's defense. This is going to be our defense in Jacksonville, uh, our players, our coaches, our staff, like that type of deal. And so um, it's, it's not any place that anybody's been. It's a collaborative effort of, of all of ours together. And that's what you'll see um, on Sundays. I'm curious, too, because everyone seems to think this defense is man-oriented. Everyone talks about the man-to-man, press-man scheme that, that you deploy. Could you just walk us through that? Is, is that the case, or, or what's the nuance there? Well, we like to, um, as one of our coaches would like to say, uh, nothing cheap and nothing deep. And so when you're press, you take away the quick game. And we like to play shell, which everybody, you know, when you look at us, we, you know, take away the deep throws. Um, it may look man, man or man-ish at times, um, but sometimes there's some press bail and some nuances in the coverage of that. It actually is zone with tighter coverage outside. And so um, that's actually good that you see it like that because um, if we're viewed like that, then we drop into zone. It could be advantageous for, you know, for us on defense. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, we're going to be mixing and matching. We play a lot of different coverages and, and mix and matches our, our coverages. And, and, uh, again, that's what we did then. And it may be different now. And so that's what the process that we're going through and with the players, but, um, we definitely, we have everything in there. It's just what, what are we going to start with? We know where we're starting. What's the, the ending, what's it going to look like when we end? Cause we, the new coaches and the new players together and, and we want to do what's best for everybody. Does this team still need that you see when you look at what you guys are bringing and what you want to do? Yeah, really, like we talked about in the very beginning, you know, we want to be an attacking, aggressive uh, style of defense that runs the ball, you know, that goes and hunts the ball, um, you know, and just put the pressure on the offense. You know, that's just what that, that we feel that we can bring. That's just the style that we want to play. And so uh, we feel that, you know, when we talk to, to uh, Coach Peterson and you know, complements what we're doing on offense. And, and we want to be very complimentary to the other side of the ball and, and um, you know, get them the ball as much as possible. And Trevor, and you know, because they've got a lot of talent over there and they're very good. And so, look, we just want to do our job and get the ball back to them uh, as many times as possible. And when we do that, we'll win a lot of games. <laughs> so really, that's kind of the, you know, just keep giving the ball back to the offense and in good field positions and, and it'll be good in the end. How far along are you with putting together your defensive staff? Okay. <laughs> coach is, uh, coach uh, is going to put that on time. They're, they're getting close. Yeah, it's, it's, we have the pieces in place. It'll be announced here uh, soon. And so excited, we'll say this, excited about the guys, worked with some of them, haven't worked with other, coached a few. Um, and so it's just, it's a great group of guys that uh, uh, been very close to, know that first and foremost, good men. Secondly, really good teachers, teachers of the game. Um, and so when you put those two things together, you know, they're, they're eager and excited. We see we, a lot of th- similarities. When you were talking to the guys in introducing yourself, did you get a sense from them that they are eager to get back just to kind of really get that taste out of their mouth after the way things kind of ended and kind of just turn the page on that? Yeah, I think so. Like, um, you know, they need a break, right. you know, and, and so that's, that's kind of the process now. But when you talk to them, they seem very eager, asking good questions and, what are we going to be about and things like that. And you're kind of gearing the conversation more towards the relationship part and really breaking the ice and getting to know them than the football X's and O stuff, which we'll have plenty of time to get to, you know, once OTAs and the guys come back around and things like that. And so uh, don't want to start with that and, 
and we have plenty of time for that later. It's, it's more, you know, getting the families and things like that, where they're from and, you know, t talking to them um, really and really getting to know each other. I know you were mostly focusing on their offense, but what did you kind of learn just leading up to when you guys faced them last year? You really about this team, some of the guys that they have. Yeah, we'll start with the quarterback, right? I mean, guys are a really good football player, uh, big, athletic. You can make all the throws. He runs well. Physical offensive line, skill in the receiver position, tight end runs well. Um, heck of a back now, a couple of backs. You know, so when you put it all together, it's it's uh, like as we were looking, that's one of the pieces. Of, why we wanted to come down here and be a part of this is is they've got some talent over there and some really good players. And so, like we were talking about earlier, let's just give them the ball back as many times as we can. You mentioned teaching when putting together your staff. That's one of the things a lot of your former players have mentioned when talking about you, how good of a teacher you are. How important is that for being a coach in the NFL these days? It's very important, right? I mean, it's, you know, first of all, there's a couple, it's, it's fundamentals, right, and technique, and then scheme, and then, putting it together. And so we wanted men that <clears throat> are very talented in both aspects and, and built bringing it together. And, and also part of that is the relationship part. Like the players got to trust in what we're, we're saying and teaching and, and coaching and like that. And so a lot of these guys have um, background of, of that. And so I think our, when our players come in, they'll be like, you know, look, this guy's done it. And this is our, our the system that how we go about in teaching things. I think they're really going to like that. Um, with all the coaches in the room. Um, and so I personally am very excited about the group of men that we're working with and getting them with our players and, and starting this. And, and the best time is on the grass, right, with the players. And so you only can be so excited. I'd go out there right now if I could. Um, but uh, yeah, really excited about that process and can't wait for that to get going. In terms of getting off the field on third down, what are some core principles that, that you believe in? Yeah, so rushing coverage. Right, I mean, really, you know, rushing coverage. We have to be multiple. Um, first thing we got to do is affect the quarterback in that we can't allow the ball to come out of his hand quickly, because then the coverage, or then the rush doesn't get there. So if the coverage is has holes holes in it, or we're given easy throw, then it doesn't matter who we got coming off the edge, you know. Um, and we've got a couple of good edge guys here, so we've got to get the quarterback to to hold it. The disguise is big. We have multiple packages on third down, so we change week to week or maybe we don't, you know, and so we keep them big guessing. Really big early in the game is we try to go out there and, and they're kind of trying to identify what we're doing on third down and then go from there. Not, hey, we're going to be in this look and every single time, hey, we can make this throw. So we've got to be multiple and keep changing. They're just too good on offense. You know, the quarterbacks are too good, offense coordinators. There's so many guys over there that can identify. And so that's why we've got to keep it multiple and, and, and keep changing up the looks. You mentioned Edge. Um, just how much do you know about Josh Allen and how important is he going to be to this defense? Yeah, I mean, a lot of production, right? Very important. And so when you got a guy like that and, and uh, I mean, you want him back and think that's going to work out. Uh, would be really excited if that works out. Uh, really excited to work with him. Her, nothing but great things. Talk to Josh, and, and, uh, and he's been he's been fantastic. And so that'll get worked out. Get him back and, and get him get him going, and, and hopefully get him into improve. That's the ultimate goal, right? Just take one. If we can just get that much better next year, really, what does that look like? That's pretty exciting, right? And so that's kind of what we, we want to work towards. All right, thanks, coach. Right. Appreciate everything. All right, there you go. Ryan Nielsen, thanks to Jaguars.com for letting us air that uh, over 1010 AM, 92.5 FM. Then we'll be popping back on the streams, the apps, and all that stuff. But just to kind of 
hit the highlights on this, and I'm sure Mia and Hayes and all of them will stick around and get a little bit more uh, from him. But first reaction, sirs. First re- I loved what I heard, and I loved yeah, the stash. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, it's offseason optimism. <laughs> I love, love every- the stash. I love everybody in offseason. Yeah. I just wait for the product. <laughs> yes. sub- I just wait for the product, you know. Listen, I'm I window. You, I don't know I'm, how you couldn't be that. I'm, way, I'm right? window shopping. Yeah. All right, I window shopping. I'm looking inside. I see, I see what I, I like. What I see, mm-hmm. you know. September, I go in the store and I decide if I buy or not. Right. Yeah. And honestly, that is the way to do it right. because uh, we we do we do deal in off season optimism. Absolutely. We know who we are, but and and I like what I heard, but yeah. you still need to see it. And the thing I did like though is that we're not going to be an obvious defense. And I'm just paraphrasing what he said. You're going to have to figure out what we're bringing at you defense. Well, i tell you the one the, the interesting thing that he said is that, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure every defense coordinator says this, that, you know, we're going to put guys in a position where they're going to succeed. Yeah. You know, when they was talking about Trayvon Walker, he said, hey, we'll see. You know, when the, when camp starts, you know, we're going to, wherever he's going to have the most success, that's what we're going to have. That's where we're going to put them at. It's where, whether it's a three, where it's a five, where it's a seven or a nine, whatever he's got to do to get after the passer, you know, we're open to it. We're right. open for business. And, and let's uh, adopt the other slogan that he had in here, and we'll include this uh, with XL Primetime, okay? Uh, he said, nothing cheap and nothing deep. And mm. that's basically what he wants to stop. Can't give up either one of those types of plays on the defensive side of the football. Mm-hmm. And the biggest stamp I was looking for, Matt, Eddie O was his first uh, first coach that. he mentioned as far as influences in his coaching life. So go Tigers! Thank you, JJ. The, the thing I, I got. I'm glad you didn't have that Ralph or Sala Fusha would never got past number one. <laughs> that never gets old. Never oh, ever it makes ever. me hungry. Never no. never. I so I'll tell you what would really kind of um, maybe think. All right, all right, moving in the right direction right now was he said. Look, before we even start talking about scheme. Even stance, we're going to talk about ball disruption, mm-hmm. and that's not just so. A lot, it, that's not just getting turnovers. That's it's so much more than that. Yeah, it's tipping passes at the line of scrimmage. It's stripping balls. It's forcing it's forcing receivers to make tough catches. It's forcing a bad handoff with with pursuit with gap pursuit. Um, it's little things like that. You see it more in basketball because it plays out quicker for you. Like. We talk all the time in basketball about length of guys, and, and, and they call it deflections. Mm-hmm. Coaches are big on deflections. Because guys are so long, they can deflect passes. You know, that stops a, por- a scoring opportunity. That's what he means by ball disruption. So that, I like that a lot. He started talking about pursuit, taking proper angles. He's talking fundamentals, mm-hmm. which yeah. I love. Welcome. All right? Welcome He's talking back, dirty to me, in the words of Hacker. Yeah. I, I mean, I love it because that's what – Seems like has been lacking on this team more than anything on both sides of the ball. Fundamentals and toughness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, I like the fact that he didn't say anything about gap control. He wanted his guys up the field. Mm-hmm. All right? And, and, go and get it. Go get it. Go yeah. get it. That's why you have linebackers. You, get, you take your front four, first one to the quarterback wins. Yeah. All right? And if they run, you react. You up the field, run and react. And then if you don't, then you got linebackers. That if they react, but if you got your front four getting up, getting up at the ball carrier mm-hmm. or the the quarterback, that's what you want. That you want that attack style guy. You don't want a lot of our guys last year were because they were gap control mm-hmm. because we didn't have the athleticism or the youth up front to get up the field and make plays. Yeah. So you know, so but I like the way he was saying we want we're going to be attack style. We're getting up the field and reacting. 
All right, I got to read one off the text line as far as the great transfer portal debate. We'll make sure we bring up that once again tomorrow. Uh, but real quick, just one piece that I mentioned earlier, Connor Orr wrote about Ryan Nielsen. He said, and he's from Sports Illustrated, covers the league, I've written this in multiple posts and told other mediums at this point, hiring Ryan Nielsen was the best non-head coaching move of the offseason, and not just for Jacksonville, for every team. Nielsen, can, Nielsen will unlock the raw, amoebic potential of this defense. So, I like hearing that. We'll find out if that is indeed the case. All right, real quick before you leave, sirs. Uh, this is Calvin off the text line mm-hmm. to answer your question, and we'll bring it back up again and reset it tomorrow. But hands down, Barry Sanders. Adrian Peterson would be my second. And I'm thinking about the overall, but to think what Barry did is just mind-boggling. And to think Oklahoma State had Thurman Thomas, Barry Sanders, right after that. So, well, yeah, he's, he may be the runaway winner. Yeah. Just like he ran away with the football about Absolutely. Listen, if the Hurricanes had the Barry Sanders on their team right now, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And they had this legend at If the Gators, if the Gators. I'm, I'm 40. There yeah. you go. Well, don't say right if the Gators because then he'd probably have 12 carries. He'd be sharing it oh, with Oh, that's right. He wouldn't give him the ball. He wouldn't. <laughs> he'd hit the portal. He would be on the depth chart but not at the top of the depth chart. Wow. All right, Big Sirs, you're right. at the top of the depth chart. You we appreciate it. it. He is Imagine out. Imagine the response to that, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, we just felt like, you know, they both need carries. Which yeah, We're just trying to trying, get everybody. You know. yeah, now, I, I can't mix up my Billy and my Trent. I won't do it. I won't do it. Although, I did see this great nickname, and I may adopt it, uh, because thievery is the sincerest form of flattery. Instead of, instead of Billy Napier, Billy Nopier. Billy mm. Nopier. Mm. Let's say hello to Denny Thompson coming up next. Now, the quarterback whisperer, Denny Thompson. Okay, bring it in. Brought to you by Tyson Sound and Security. Register Sausage. And George Moore Chevrolet. One, two, three. Good to have our quarterback whisperer in on a Thursday. It's all under the heading of better late than never. Uh, Denny normally joins us on Mondays, but here on Thursday. What up, Denny? How are you, buddy? Oh, I'm fantastic, man. Really good. Really good week. Well, listen, I, I think we do need to lead off with that because anyone who follows uh, Denny uh, via uh, social media or, or whatever, um, uh, take it from here. Your, your wife had to have yeah, a procedure we've, we've earlier known the this last, week. We've, we've known the last couple of months that uh, she was battling cancer again, and um, this is this is something that's come back. And yeah, it's been a rough couple of months, but she had a she had her another surgery Monday, and everything turned out great. And she is uh, she is beating cancer again, and nice. so it is a huge yeah and and i appreciate all the love and support like not a whole lot of people knew we didn't make it public information but the people we didn't keep it either you know what i mean like it just didn't need to be out front and uh but everybody that knew was including you guys were just amazing so i really appreciate you well listen uh uh, family it it goes well beyond these walls and so anyway just i'm just happy to hear everything real life happens yes yeah yeah. i live in a dream world man and but this you know this kind of knocks you back out oh yeah yeah well yeah yeah, everyone out there count your blessings that's for sure like last night Valentine's Day, beautiful woman, and a hell of a piece. I, I, a hell of a piece of fish that I grilled last night. But you were dealing with much bigger things. Oh, we got that. It so was you best celebrated Valentine's your Valentine yeah. in a totally different way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's our. We said it last night. That's our new Valentine's Day memory. So yeah. it's 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 cool. Yeah. It was cool. You yeah. will take that. All right, listen. Yeah. We're gonna talk uh, quarterbacks with our man, the quarterback whisperer. But we definitely wanted to mention Angie. But if you have a question, six four one ten ten, you can jump in on it. Uh, first, though, you heard a little bit about what Ryan Nielsen said. You know, your job. Uh, training quarterbacks is to get them comfortable when they're facing all this fire right. yep. in, 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 with the defenses. What did you think of what he had to say? Yeah, I mean, I think it's 
It is what I, – now I'm not trying to be negative, but I think everybody kind of has the same script in sure. the NFL, and that's like, – you just don't get beat deep. Try to be as aggressive as you possibly can. Fans like to hear aggressive, aggressive, aggressive until you get aggressive and get toasted, right? And then they burn you. Yeah, <laughs> it, and so, I mean, the, the the blueprint right now in the NFL is just let's keep let's keep things in front of us, and, um, and, and hopefully we can make a play. And we just saw the Super Bowl with two teams that – that's the way they operate. Mm-hmm. And I thought I thought that Super Bowl was a great like lesson for coaches and, and quarterbacks alike is is Kelsey, they did a great job with Kelsey all night long, 49ers did. But then there all of a sudden was a formation that they put out there that if you're watching the game, you go back and watch it. I even said live, I'm like, whoa, 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 they're one on one with Kelsey right now. This for something about this formation, and that's the play. Mm-hmm. That Mahomes recognized that. They just drug him straight across the field. A simple play became, what, 40 yards or whatever it yep. was. Yep. And it's just a lesson in, like, don't force it. Let's just let's continue to do what we do well, and eventually we're going to find a way to do what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to, to put it to, to the defensive coordinator, I think as a defense coordinator you have such a task because there's so many formations, motion shifts, that, yeah, you have a base defense, but, man, the offense right now is largely dictating the way you have to play things. Incredible. You know, yeah. it's funny. I was thinking, um, how quickly will he say attacking and aggressive? Literally the first two words out of his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, look, it's like you said. Everybody says that, okay? But at the end of the day, you need to get pressure with your four. Yep. And that's where, if you can't get pressure with your front four, I don't care what you're doing. If, you're going to you have can, problems. If you can get pressure with four, maybe even five. If you can get pressure with four and you tackle really, really well, it that's the that's which that's is all the most need. underrated thing on defense, right. by the way. Tackling. Right. If, In if, today's if, world. if you can tackle and and not let them slip slip out of that tackle and get seven or eight yards and force them to drive all the way down the field, yeah. then you are going to have a good defense. That is what Kansas City did exactly all year long. Is what is what Jacksonville didn't do at the end. They they would make they first contact, yeah. Good. But then you'd look up. It's like, dang, they got another seven yards. Got to bring a guy down. Gotta Have bring to. A guy out. It's that and, simple. How many yeah. how many flat throws did you see where where guys in this team missed those tackles? Well, yeah, just, it, you got to make that tackle on the perimeter. You cannot miss the that thing tackle. that drives me crazy in football today is we put such an emphasis on the passing game that we're taking like three yard routes and we're throwing receivers out of bounds. Right, like where they're catching it. Right, and, and they're, they're right running out of bounds, yeah. and you're like, Nothing that was left. a yeah. lot of work for three yards. And, and if you look at Mahomes and you look at even, I mentioned this last week, Brock peppers the middle of that field. And they just give their guys chances to make plays, the offense does, after they catch the ball. Yeah. And that, that as an offense, that's what you want to do as a defense. Like, you've got to rally to that tackle, and that's as simple as this game gets. Yeah, and when you looked at his yards per attempt, you really started to realize it. And then you look at some of the other guys, and Justin Fields, one of the classic examples, all of his passes are at or behind the line of scrimmage, at least for, for a large part of but, it. Real quick, Joe, but yeah. why is it perimeter now, Denny? Is it perimeter because you, the odds are your receiver can beat and and make? Well, a play? I think there's a lot of there's there's a lot of reasons for that. I think the bubble game, the screen game, the perimeter game is just basically the new sweep. I think it lets you kind of get leverage or lets you get right. outside contain or at least attempt to right. Um, it's a safe pass. Uh, I think quarterbacks like to throw towards the sideline because they know, okay, if that guy's a little bit covered, I can push us out of bounds there, a little right. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a little bit safer. you you got to be firm in who you are and your accuracy to stand back there and go, I'm going to drop this ball between the linebacker and the safeties. Right. There's a lot of hands between there. And you, you've you got to do that. And I thought that's one of the things that Brock excelled in, and obviously Mahomes loves that as well. You know, and, and uh, we were talking about 
Steve Wilkes getting fired earlier today. First half of the game, he could have gotten that MVP chatter with the way he was constructing the defense, a lot like Steve Spagnola got a couple of weeks before for what he did with Lamar. And then in the second half, like you said, there was just one little wrinkle that Andy Reid and company picked up on, and they took advantage of it, and the dude gets fired. I would love to hear – I would love to hear Andy Reid go through that game. Yeah, I would love to hear play-by-play Andy Reid go through that game because I I don't know this for a fact, but he's a good enough coach and and Mahomes is smart enough. They they saw something on that tablet. They they had they had to have a formation a couple series earlier where they saw something on the tablet and said, "Well, wait a second. If mm-hmm. we if we can get back in this formation, right. we may catch one on one, or we may just catch a bracket coverage instead of. I mean, it sounds he was triple teamed." <laughs> And, dude, the fourth and one with the RPO with the, the, the man that is Travis Kelsey uh, and Pat Mahomes engineering it. And, and, look, I think we this is a good question for you because we were talking about it earlier in the week. I'm not accusing Dan Marino of just doing one thing, but he did one thing really, really well, and he didn't necessarily get off of that, that lane. Pat Mahomes got off the lane several times in this postseason, did whatever was required to move the ball and keep the ball. Yeah, and I, and I think that we should have an asterisk at all quarterback play, I don't know, sometime in the last 15 years we've made the rules mm-hmm. very advantageous for quarterbacks. And oh, I'm not yes. even talking oh, about the way yes. they get hit. Oh, yeah. When Dan Marino was playing, like, if you wanted to run across the middle of the field, you were going to get knocked out before yeah. you ever got the ball. Yeah, decapitation was a possibility. Right. Those guys were playing a whole different game. But I, I know exactly what you're saying. It's, it's the ability to adjust to whatever's around you and not lose your sizzle. Yeah. And that's what Mahomes has. I mean, Mahomes played a very ninety percent of that game was a very basic, um, I, I would say, like meticulated game, right? Like he, it was all on plan. And then he had three throws that you're just like, <laughs> how do you even do that? The throw clear across the field, going left, going right. And I know everybody's talked about it, but y'all, that may be the best throw I've ever seen in my life. That there's only one other person in the league that I feel like can do that, and that's Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it, but to do that in a Super Bowl and to pull that off and to drop that between two guys, have the guts to do that. And we're yeah. playing it. He's playing a different ball game than everybody else. He is. That's the essence of it. It, it really is. Let's uh, now Brock Purdy's part in this. He played a really good game too. He did. And, and I felt like George Kittle had a chance to do something early, and he's been dinged up, and he just wasn't. They just couldn't get him going, which I think hurt Brock. But Brock, for the most part made good decisions. The ball was punched out of McCaffrey's hands when they were clearly driving in that first one. They were using all their weapons, fullback included. Anyway, what did you think of his play? I, I thought he played great. I thought he played really well. You, you mentioned his yards per attempt. I mean, at yeah. one point, he was he was over 10, yeah. like deep into the game. Um, I, I didn't think the game was too big for him on any measure. In fact, I, I don't know, maybe it's my rose-cutter glasses, but I, I think if you were just a – person and you didn't know the names you would look at Mahomes and you would look at Purdy and you would just assume that those two were in the top five of quarterbacks I I, it looked like he belonged to me uh there and I thought you know what the chief staff said about him is very very accurate is when they're looking at film on him like this guy's good this guy's got some Drew Brees in him like Mm -hmm. he he knows what he's doing I don't think that Brock's going anywhere I think if anything that game gives him more confidence I think it gives everybody around him more confidence that that he got out there and he he played a good game and gave them a chance to win the football game. Okay, Denny, I, I got to ask you this, and I know there's Jags fans out there that makes them crazy to watch games like this. The 49ers, structurally, schematically, how do they get those high-low high low routes open, those concepts open all the time? Mm, they're, all the time. Yeah, they're, they're, they're spacing concepts and – 
the way they spread you out, the motion, the 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 uh, the, the just the formations, really. Like I mean, really, when you look at what they do, is they have just mastered the art of tendencies. Is they know what your reaction to their motion or their formation is going to be. So if I get in this formation, they've done it two Super Bowls in a row. That little quick motion, knowing they're going to get man, and yo-yoing it back. Right. And they do that even in their zone concepts. Is they just Miami does the same thing. They do a really good job of creating as much spacing as you possibly can. And then they've got a quarterback that can get it to any space that he needs to get it to. Right? They got receivers that are in the right place. They all are on the same page. I, I'm not referring to that from a Jaguar thing because I think there's probably 28 other teams that watch that and their fans go, well, why don't we do that? Right. I mean, every every time Debo Samuel's running that high-low route, he's open every but, time. But the other part of it, the And not, listen, I'm not just saying like open by a foot. Right. The corner's trailing by three yards oh, every yeah, time. Yeah. But yeah. Think, think of the other part of it now. They block up their run game as better. No, as, I know they as, do. As good. And so, but I, and, I guess all I mean is like right. conceptually, how do they get that well, open? Okay, so think about personnel for a second with them, because this this is this is the beauty of the 49ers. Is all of a sudden you look up and you've got McCaffrey, Kittle, Debo, Ayuk. Um, how do you play that? Like, what is your defensive personnel? Are you playing that with? Because technically, what you have is you have two running backs and a tight end. Essentially, including yeah. Debo. Like if, yeah. if you're yeah. going to play, if you're going to nickel that, they're going to run all over you all day, and there's nothing you can do about it. Right. So then all of a sudden you're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna stop the run. Well, now they just split McCaffrey out, or they split Debo out. You don't have anybody to cover them, not in that package, and they're able to dictate what you can do defensively. And they just like from a San Francisco perspective, that's how I would play them. Miami and Kansas City are all in the same boat. They have. They have the personnel to go, we're going to stress you when we put these guys on the field, and then whatever package you got, we've got an answer for. And that's why and we're get, confident in all yeah, of this. This team yeah. has, I think, the skill personnel to do that. They don't have there's the, offensive no doubt. Line. the line, there, bro. They, they don't have yeah. the offensive line. Well, the there, line. there's that, and then that takes a rhythm. right? That yeah. really takes – you have to get first downs. You can't go three and out. You can't turn the ball over mm -hmm. because then that changes your whole offense. You got to have the line, and you got to have the scheme. But you know, back to what we were saying, as far as the offensive line moves people, where McCaffrey has his lanes to run in, draws the defense closer. The defense has got to declare. Yeah, and no doubt sudden, about that. And then you roast them because that, that it's the idea of balance. Why do there's, you have balance? Uh, there's no, but there's no doubt about. It. I mean, play action obviously is a huge deal. But my point is, there are guys running play action in the NFL. Guys aren't getting open. No, yeah, but I want to take true. a step back from that because I, I think like just go more basic than even that, Joe. If just picture the 11 guys in a formation, and you're a defensive coordinator, and you have to match those 11 guys. Right. And you have to decide. I don't know if they're running or passing. Just on a very, very base level, the second you substitute somebody in, mm -hmm. they know what they're going to do. They're going opposite. Yeah. Right, it, it, right. It, it, right. They, so it's just it's so hard, and you have to make so – you have to play a full game without error because 15 is going to punish you right. with every error that you make. Maybe they find a formation. Mm -hmm. That leaves Kelsey one on one late in the game. You're not getting away with that right. with 15. And, and heck, think about it. They used Paco Pacheco to get the run game going to really make you respect that, which obviously brought more to the line of scrimmage. And then in the end, Marquez Valdez Scantling and a couple of these other guys got loose on defenders that were suspect. Yeah, they, I didn't. It wasn't a great played game. I, I think Super Bowls are really hard to be well played because there's no flow to them. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I went last year, and I can tell you guys, you feel like um, y'all. The been, commercial right? breaks are so long. It, it, you feel like you're watching one minute of football for every ten minutes of yeah. sitting. And so usher. it's it's 
it's hard. Yeah, not even the, the halftime's like thirty minutes yeah. long. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 hard to catch a rhythm. But I I think you know both of those teams are great examples of of traditional football in the sense of we're going to personnel you, but right. But they've also new school enough to where they're going to put some weird motions and some yo-yo motions and some things like that in there. All right, we're going to keep it going. We'll uh, work back to a, a couple of things that are probably uh, in your college brain right now uh, with Denny because the transfer portal, at least for now, closed and then it'll open back up uh, once we get to the spring. So we'll do a little bit of that. It is XL Primetime. This is XL Primetime, protected by Preferred Roofing on 1010XL. All right, hanging with Denny Thompson until 2.30. Then Lee Smith, the executive director of the players, will step in and say, hey, uh, I'll be headed to the PGA Tour Entertainment Headquarters where Tiger Woods is right now one under. He, did you say he made par at eight, JJ? Just par at eight, yeah. Par at eight. And uh, so right now one under, that's four shots off the lead. Uh, Patrick Cantlay and Jordan Spieth, a couple of FedEx Cup trophy holders uh, at the top or at the top of the leaderboard. All right, we're going to stay with Denny, but Mia is back uh, from the Mecca uh, with the press conference. Uh, I remarked uh, about the – well, actually, J.J. and I both said, dude, the stash. Great mustache. Oh, my god. When he said among his influences, when Hayes Carlion asked him and the first name he said was Ed Ogeron, oh, we loved all it. I could think was immediately Ryan Nielsen, XL primetime guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, 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 we're we, all in on him. We tweeted it, and we had to play Eddie O as soon as he said it. Uh, but the, the, he said, he mentioned Pete Carroll, Sean Payton, and Eddie O. And Denny, when you think about influences as far as coaches go, personality wise, determination wise, they ain't a bad group. No, those aren't bad. He, he he I told JJ he has a look like he should be one of those guys that's on the Pat McAfee show that hangs out with him. Yeah, like he's yeah. got that look, but you know he's he's got that football coach like voice. Oh my gosh, yeah. And yeah. yeah, I mean from what little I know about him, he's been around some good dudes, and and he said all the right things. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. He he's and he, and he looks like he's put together, and that's what those guys want to see. A guy that gets in the weight room with them, throws some you know big big plates around and all that kind of stuff. All right, so real quick, just hit us before we get back to the Denny talk. Yeah, biggest takeaway for me from what I was told, from what I know, many people in this building were told from mm-hmm. people down there Doug Peterson felt like he did not get the full Todd Bowles when mm-hmm. he signed or hired Mike, Mike Caldwell okay. as his defensive coordinator this is the full Todd Bowles it's mm-hmm. a different scheme than Todd Bowles but in terms of pressure in terms of blitzing I mean every single sentence that Ryan Nielsen said during this press conference he always prefaced it with pressure bringing guys, and then coverage. And he stressed the importance of coverage as well, but it's very, very clear to me. And part of it's probably his defensive line background, Denny, but he wants to get after the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, with this game's pretty simple. Like, if you want to get after the quarterback, you know what you got to do? you got to run through somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's not a free lane. And you if there win. is a free lane, that means that somebody's open. Like, mm-hmm. you're playing one less back there. So, I, if you know who you are and you know, okay, we're going to get pressure and you understand that it may take you seven tries to get home, but you keep doing it. Yeah, I think if I, if I were a defensive coach, what I would do is I would do everything that I can to plug vision. I would get at the quarterback's feet and I would try to plug vision. So I would blitz a gap. I would occasionally mix something out from the alley. And then I would force everything underneath because quarterbacks hate going all the way down the field. That goes to your point. Why are we seeing that? To the bound, to the boundary, because yeah, well, they have it's, limited it's opportunity. Throw. It's an easier throw, number one, and, yeah. and number two, you're not, you're not so worried about, like if you and Denny can speak to this too. When you mess with the quarterback's mechanics, when he's off balance, when he has thirty feet, is what they call it, that's a problem for most, not Mahomes, but for most. Um, I like, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, piggybacking off what what Mia said, is he he mentioned Pete Carroll and Monty Kiffin and Alex Gibbs. 
Those are guys that defensively, historically, have gotten after the quarterback, but they smartly do it. They're innovative. They're not just randomly throwing zero yep. blitzes at you. Yep, they're very innovative. Yep, they're very. We talked about the personnel thing. Um, what you hope you have out of a defense coordinator or somebody that understands. Okay, when they motion this, this is this is our advantage defensively. Like we can do this, this, and this, and they're able to communicate that to those eleven guys, who in turn communicate it to each other live and in time, and you don't get caught with your pants down. Right? Like there's that's, always a hole. That's right? the goal. There's always a hole when motion happens. Well, always. There, there's there's. Space, it creates space. It puts somebody, if you want to look at it from a defensive perspective, then maybe it puts it takes away help from an edge rusher. Yeah. So I think, you know, if I'm just judging by what this guy says, Josh Allen's very important. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> I mean, it, it's super, super important for this guy to be able to do what he wants to do, for Josh Allen to be here and for Walker to take another big step because I thought he took a big step this year. Oh, I, like, I agree. I, Look, I, when he was able to get to double digits and he did it from multiple spots, which yeah. is what he said – we will find the best spot for these guys. Now, the, to the key is for me, it's great to have high pressure on the outside, mm-hmm. but if you don't have that middle push, quarterbacks hate to feel suffocated. Yahtzee. And yeah. if you don't have that, you're in trouble. You can have all the rush you want outside, but I think if you went back and looked at Coughlin's years mm-hmm. in New York, it was an evenly distributed pass rush from those front and four. Stroud and Big John here. That's right. You move that. You collapse the pocket is what you did. That's so right. Let me throw a couple of names out at you because uh, my research and stats department, Bo Valentine, for those of you who uh, may not be familiar, I'm mm-hmm. referring to my boyfriend Kevin. Okay. Um, threw out a couple of names for me in his research of guys that Ryan Nielsen either brought with him from New Orleans to Atlanta, has that tie with, or NC State because I personally believe from everything we heard from Trent Baalke a few weeks ago. They are going to address the needs in the off on the offensive side of the ball in the draft, and I would expect tinkering akin to what Atlanta did a year ago, albeit with more cap space, on the defensive side of the ball to fit what Ryan Nielsen needs. So Justin Jones, defensive mm-hmm. tackle out of Chicago, said to be a free agent. He was an NC State guy with Ryan Nielsen. Malcolm Roach, previously with the Saints. How about, of course, Bud Dupree, Contavious Street, who went with him from New Orleans to Atlanta, and Bud Dupree joined up with them there as well. And then one more is Marcus Davenport, who signed that one-year deal yeah. with the Minnesota Vikings, got injured again, has been injured at times, but obviously was with Ryan Nielsen in New Orleans. And Dupree's an enigma, too, because he's up-down. He's up, And outside down. of Dupree, and maybe Street as well, what do all those guys have in common? They're all big defensive line interior guys. Yeah, I mean, I think – Who the, can also go on the edge and yeah, have Dupree's the versatility, out, yeah. right. Here's what I get out of that statement, and, and I right. don't try to – Take this wrong way. So you and your boyfriend discuss who's going to be free agent, interior yeah. defensive lineman? They break yeah. it down. Yeah. Well, he he likes going through and finding and connecting dots. Mm-hmm. He found this actually really good article. <laughs> I should share it with you, Denny, of somebody did a one-on-one with Ryan Nielsen a few years ago about how he drafted guys at NC State with the Observer and Charlotte. That's no, fantastic. No, I love that. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm going to send it to you because it's an awesome I, article that Kevin found. I think – I. Just my opinion. I, yeah. Here's all I want. If I'm a defensive guy, what I want is I want the biggest, most athletic guy, period. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I can teach him to plug a hole, but I, I need to know that that guy can get off the ball faster than that guard can move, right? That If that's the case, then all of a sudden now, and I think Leon backed me up on this, Yeah. now all of a sudden you're like, oh, this guy's on me. You're, you're kind of on skates at that point. Like, I, yeah. I think the days – of just having that man-eater that you can't move. I think those days right now are numbered because we're not trying to run up the middle like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a two-gap thing, but we're talking pressure. Right, because it's been spread out. And and that's why an Aaron Donalds and a Chris Jones, they are making a living inside right. because of just how dominant they are. And I totally agree with you that 
it's that what do they call it? Bowling bowling uh, bowling balls and butcher knives inside. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to be physical, and if you get them, Leon says there's nothing worse than having to work backwards and try and defend. I can take a I can take a quarterback in the facility, and we can be throwing, and I can give him fake pressure. Like I can put something or push something at his feet, and it changes everything. Yeah, well, I believe it. I believe everything. It. Uh, bro, good to see you as always. Hi, you too. I'm going to remember this, though. He said plug vision. That's a new thing that I've yep. got. Uh, plug vision uh, as far as just another football It's hard to term. throw if it's hard to see. Yeah, yeah. It's great news about Angie. Yeah, I was just yeah. going to say, yeah. shout out to awesome. Angie. Yeah. Ran- Thank Random y'all. applause. Thank Absolutely. Y'all. All right, we, we love our quarterback whisperer. All right, we're going to say hello to Lee Smith, executive director of the players, uh, as we are watching the Genesis Invitational and getting ready for the players because we are a month out. This is XL Primetime. Brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. One more segment to go on a Thursday edition of XL Primetime. If you're rocking with us on YouTube, Facebook, or X, uh, this is the ultimate game of musical chairs. Josie out the door on PGA Tour duties. Denny Thompson out the door after spending two segments with us. I'm back in from the stadium, and now we welcome in the executive director of the Players' Championship Lee Smith, this traffic and uh, everything else that goes into driving around Duval, man. I'm sure you're getting used to this as well as far as uh, Joe's trying to get down to PGA Tour media headquarters. I'm coming from the stadium. Now you've been here almost a full year, right, Lee? Absolutely. absolutely. You're you're learning it yourself. Eight or nine months. I've certainly driven more here than I drove in New Jersey uh, in five and a half years, but um, always looking forward to it. It was great to hear you guys talk about the uh, defense coordinator press conference that's uh you know exciting that uh you know after at least one day we're we're uh, a fan which hey i mean <laughs> you were just telling us during the break you are kind of an honorary atlanta falcons fan as well so ryan nielsen coming from the atlanta falcons if only for one year so absolutely uh, maybe some in- i know uh i know your good friend matt ryan wasn't there this past year but maybe he has some insight for us yeah, we can. Uh, we'll have to reach out to him. Okay. Um, and uh, and call their to games, him a maybe if that. nothing else. Yeah, so. that's right. Um, but it absolutely, have adopted the Jags. Uh, went to every game this year, and and certainly look forward to the future. So we have the first major tournament unobstructed. I guess is the best way to say it by football going on right now. And of course, Tiger Woods is playing. Um, good sign. You see him out there playing. He's one under. It's that. That's kind of a good omen more or less, for what's going to happen in a month, right? A- absolutely. I mean, just to, to see him out there playing, number one, playing well, number two, um, and then the third is to see the recovery after the round. You know, his, his uh, admittedly, his body uh, deteriorates more than, the, more than the young kids walking 18 holes right. and taking the swings that he does at the speed that he does. So it's always, always be good to see how he plays tomorrow, He see how hopefully making the cut, see how he plays Saturday and Sunday. Uh, to get a good feel for what his future looks like. If he, if he makes the cut and plays the full four, you feel pretty good about in a month, right? About the players? You, you would hope so. Yeah. Uh, you would hope so. It certainly falls uh, nicely on the calendar for him in between uh, us and that, uh, and that tournament up north uh, in Georgia. Um, but, uh, and and uh, the success that he's had in this tournament is certainly good. Um, but, uh, you know, scary the week before us. He's had a little bit of success down at Bay Hill also. That's a little very Ohio Stateish of you, by the way. Yeah, that's right. That's what yeah. I. That's what I figured. Yeah. Uh, the Miranda Rossum, when she was on Helmets and Heels on Tuesday, pointed out something that I didn't even realize. This is technically Tiger's final year of eligibility as well on the play for the Players Championship. Correct me if I'm wrong. I I believe because of COVID, 
that he actually has through 25. Okay. I, I believe with the with the Masters in 19, I think he gets a five-year exemption to the players, and the and the 20 event uh, doesn't count as an event played. So I believe he gets 21 through 25. All right. Um, but it it is. I mean, similar to to Genesis and and himself having a having an exemption and those types of things. It's, um, you know. How we would not have him um, would be weird, weird to say, that's for sure. The morning groups are really just kind of hitting the turn. A couple of them are on 15 right now from what I can see at the Genesis Invitational. Um, some noteworthy names. I know we were mentioning a couple of them during the break, Lee. Um, but for you, you said Gary Woodland. Absolutely. What a what a story if he can maintain, um, you know, just playing well. I think he's probably another one kind of in the in the Tiger camp but different. To be able to finish 36 holes, to make a cut, uh, to to talk about, you know, quoting his words was he he thought he was going to die every day with brain surgery and the lesion he had on his brain to have a comeback like that, be a couple under in the top 10 right now. I, I look forward to hopefully that great story continuing over the weekend. So Speedy with the bounce back year last year, he starting off this year, he's five under right now through nine. If he if he finds his way back to that level he was for that white hot moment of what eighteen months twenty two months, be great for the tour. Absolutely, um, you know Kevin Kisner I think on the broadcast this past weekend called him the golden child uh, every time, and you know somebody that makes more twenty five footers than five footers uh, is always somebody that can right. be successful on the PGA tour, and and he's a fun watch because. He doesn't hit every fairway. He doesn't hit every green. He he um, he makes it exciting. He plays like a lot more of us play. He just happens to roll in a lot of twenty five footers. <laughs> it's kind of like Caitlin Clark in uh in basketball with the threes. It's one of those things where like people just see that and they gravitate towards it. So the Spieth effect is not obviously the Tiger Woods effect, but it is still something you guys account for. Absolutely, he's uh, like I say between. Um, you know that 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 next level of of Rory and and Spieth and JT and Ricky and and in different ways, uh, you know, have their throngs of of fan followings. But uh, Jordan is a like I say, he's exciting to watch, uh, and when he gets it going, uh, he's tough to beat by anybody. One other guy who's currently tied for the lead now at Riviera at five under, and another great story: Will Zalatoris. Willie Z was primed to be one of those next guys until an unfortunate injury last year as well. Absolutely. His his injuries derailed him and and before that his putting had had derailed him. You want to talk about a guy that that uh, had the heebie-jeebies inside right. of 5 feet um to watch that that putting stroke was um was a thing to see but you know it seems like he's found uh an equipment change on the greens that has really really helped him um as well as obviously being healthy. He's he's another one that uh, you know, at the top of his game was condi- uh, was contending at a, pretty much every major um, when they came on the board. So he's certainly fun to watch. All right, so we are now three weeks and change from the start of championship week here. W- what's your process right now? What are you guys going through? How are you crossing the T's and dotting the I's right now? Yeah, it's, um, you know, we, we took a ride around on the golf course. You're, uh, you know, looking at kind of risk management and security areas that um, – you're trying to uh, to take a look and and prevent uh, any problems from happening. This is kind of when signage starts to get installed on the golf course, okay. uh, which is really really important to us as to how uh, you know clean the look and feel is out there and and our branding and colors and and all of those types of things. 
Uh, and we're like three or four days from the golf course closing, which is, uh, you know, a time three and a half weeks out that, uh, well, I think we're, I think we close after Sunday. Um, so the amount of activity and it really gets now inside the ropes, the details of ball marks on the greens and divots and, um, you know, growing grass, um, that, uh, the agronomy team, Jeff Plotz and, and, and Lucas and his team over there do an unbelievable job of getting the golf course ready, uh, and getting it together. And this is when that kind of detail work, when they can, when they can get rid of the play and really start focusing on what it's going to look like tournament week. A big part of that signage too, Matt, I hope you're, you are sitting down for this part. Yes. (laughs) Miranda informed us this on Tuesday, the app is obviously going to be bigger and better than ever in terms of giving all of the patrons an idea of how to get from tacos on 12 to whole five and here, there, and everywhere. But tell us a little more about the new technology with the virtual reality league, yeah. because this, this blew my mind on Tuesday. Yeah. There's, there's going to be a couple of, of things, you know, the, the, the players and Miranda may have said this too. the, the players championship not only just because you know our our headquarters is is right here, but uh, because of the platform that the players is has always been an area for us to try new things um, and and certainly try it in the right way. Whether it's ShotLink that was introduced here and those types of things, but we've got two uh, virtual reality um, uh, implementations. One's with our partner Morgan Stanley, and you're actually going to be able to walk around the golf course. Um, and use QR codes to 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 get some uh, highlight uh, um, videos and those types oh, wow. of things on your phone, um, as well as uh, the introduction of all 18 holes of this Apple Vision Pro. Uh, that's going to be a really really cool uh, activation uh, around the golf course. They they um, launched it a couple of weeks ago with one hole. I believe at Pebble Beach they did hole number seven. Uh, and here at the players, it's going to be all 18 holes that you'll be able to try this thing on and um, and play the golf course and and play it in reality and and virtual reality. It's just uh, I haven't put those the headset on yet. Are you telling me we're not people walking around the I've players' seen, championship with the headsets, like it, doing the pinches in front of yeah, their faces? That's is that right. what you're I saw me, some guy in a car the other day. That's what I'm telling video. you, Matt. Yeah, this is why exactly I wanted to make sure you were sitting down for this. this yeah. Seriously. Eventually, those glasses you're wearing, we'll be able to do it just you know, right funny, in those glasses you're wearing. Where you can look at the guy next to you and say, you know what? I had a shot just like that last week over at Timaquan. It was unbelievable, man. You could Now they're like, yeah, but you can do it right here. All you got to do is pinch. That's right. No, Come it's on. it's uh, it's it's going to be awesome. Um, and from what we've read and spoke to our uh, uh, technology teams, it's uh, it's off the charts as far as the uh, technology built in. And that's part of the app, free part of the app, everything. Yeah, there's uh, there's just going to be areas. You know, the w- one issue with it is right now the those goggles are thirty five hundred dollars. Right, so if you have the goggles, there right. isn't going to be thousands of pairs just uh, just rolling around. It's not three D glasses. Right. Exactly. You pick them out of You're the bucket. You're not going to rent the goggles. Yeah, you have exactly. Your own, yeah, whatever they're called. Um, right. But right. yeah, the opportunity to put that software on those and and play the golf course all eighteen holes is just off the charts. Yeah, and I, I think eventually Miranda noted that glasses i know maybe it is the 3d glasses that's the next step of our technology contact lenses because the cool part about it matt is that if you have this pair if there's a pair readily available at you know 18t box you put it on as justin thomas is teeing off you'll be able to see as if you're watching on television the trajectory the degree in which he's able to hit the ball how far away from the water he is all of those numbers will pop up for you 
I mean, I can see that by opening my eyes and just <laughs> I'm right there, man. I'm standing on the tee box. Right Instantaneous, there. though. That's what we're talking about in this society. Okay. Hey, we got you nailed, man. We got right. you nailed. I mean, All right. I mean, I mean, clearly. All right. Um, we do this every time you're here, and I still want to do it every week because I think it's 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 important. Parking. Explain parking for everyone right now. Yeah, you know, parking. Um, I think I, I mentioned the same same thing. You know, parking is is one of those things that we feel is a blessing for us to be able to park six or 7,000 cars on site um, and forget about golf tournaments. There's just, there's not that many uh, sporting events in general that, that have that ability. Your car is at the ready. You can come and go back to your car, leave something in your car, all those types of things. Um, but the curse of that is that those 6,000 cars have to get there. Um, and, and there's not, uh, there's not five or six different roads in. So, you know, we always encourage, uh, get there early. Um, that that's when the traffic will be that green light. Get there. You know, if you're if you're coming at nine or ten o'clock, you're probably gonna, you know, have some pause on the way in. And and then if you're coming at eleven or twelve o'clock, it's probably gonna be slow going. Um, and hopefully the expectation that way. But the the mitigation efforts uh, every year of you know expanding rideshare opportunities is certainly important. We have our complimentary Nakati shuttles that, that will run again, was new last year, that were very successful. We have our shuttles that run from downtown Jacksonville uh, with the help of Visit Jackson and, and the city of Jacksonville that, that we work with. We have golf cart parking uh, in a special parking lot for golf carts for those that live you know, in close proximity that can take them down the sidewalk. We have uh, bicycle parking. Uh, a specific lot for bicycles. So there's there's a lot of different ways. Just driving down A1A is not the only way to get there. And we certainly encourage, you know, all the fans to uh, to use those different ways. Because um, it's, it, you know, and, and it's a great way to get to a golf course. You know, we wish we had a boat uh, opportunity to get there or a helicopter to where we could drop you in, you know, right over the uh, right over the trees, but um, it's uh, it, you know it's always something that is very very important. I, I'm glad you bring it up every time, Matt, because it is it's an important thing for us to talk about all the time. And I know you guys are excited uh, to even have a sponsor now. We want to give love to with the rideshare as well. So yeah, True exp- Green ex- expanded uh, yeah. rideshare. Absolutely, it's um, it you know those things always help to be able to do some different things with our rideshare partners to um, you know to try to expand the opportunities and really encourage people. To get two, three, four, five in a car uh, is always better for the roadways. Absolutely. Lee, thanks as always for not only stopping by primetime, but coming in studio to 1010XL World Headquarters. Absolutely. had a great time. Thank you. Appreciate you, and we will see you next week. Same time, same place. I don't think we're on remote, so we'll roll with that. For now, let's say hello to the Frangie Show. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. Lee Smith had the opportunity to be out at the walk-off charities yesterday, the classic yesterday, the high school classic, I should say. Donna Murphy informed me how to properly identify it, Lee. So the walk-off charities high school classic, and then this morning, the heritage classic. So Lauren Brooks has been out at Bragan Baseball Complex all day long. Uh, Lauren, you couldn't have asked for better weather for it, though. Yeah, we really lucked out, man. It's uh, it's such a beautiful complex. You got to see it for the first time yesterday, right? Yes, I did. That was my first time out there since it was a couple of ratty intramural fields I think I played on four or five years ago. And so a uh, beautiful, beautiful complex. What I couldn't believe, the concession stands. Matt, you got to get out there. I mean, we're talking $3 for a hot dog, $2 for popcorn, $3 for French fries, 
top of the line stuff. People kept coming over to us and commenting how beautiful the facility is, how great the rates are, and of course, plenty of parking too. Nice. Yeah, it's a it's a world class facility, absolutely. And yeah, go see everybody at the concessions. You might see a familiar face here and there. And uh, they've been doing a great job all week long. We are set up Mia, in a different spot than where you came and saw us yesterday in Lee. We are in the Best Bet Fun Zone. Ooh. So we are literally chilling in the outfield in Adirondack chairs under our tent and Excel nice. tent. It does not get any better than this. That is fantastic. I want to know, uh, Lauren, a little bit about the footwear today. I know it's a sunny day. It's beautiful out. Uh -huh. There was boots on yesterday uh, prepared <laughs> for the cold. There were snow what? boots yeah. on. You are <laughs> correct. Yeah, today I'm going with, uh, and a shout out to the players for this, I'm going with my Noble tennis shoes that nice. I got for free nice. from the players last year just for being a part of the media. So not to put you on the spot, Lee, but do you know if more shoes are coming our way this year at the players? Uh, that is on the spot. I don't uh, I don't know. We're, we're massaging that as we speak. <laughs> no, no, uh, no pressure whatsoever. We always have an absolutely fantastic time at the players. I'm telling you that between sitting where I am today and then when we get to be at the players, there are no better shows than these sitting outside and enjoying this Florida weather in February and in March. Ain't that the truth? And I know you guys will have a stellar show today, Lauren. What's on deck? Yeah, certainly we will talk all about Ryan Nielsen, the new Jaguars defensive coordinator. And then on the baseball side of things, we've got Wolfson taking on Bishop Snyder and Providence taking on Ponte Vedra. And then once I find out the softball schedule, I'll get that information out as well when the show starts. So we've got four games again uh, going on today. So a lot of fun happening here and certainly looking forward to all of it. Sounds like a plan. Have a good time out there, Lauren. All right. Thanks so much. Lee, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention real quick the, uh, the Noble story. So the NFL Please. Combine was two weeks before the players last year. And, of course, there's Noble everywhere. Noble on the players' apparel. Mm -hmm. It's on right. the signage. It's everywhere. <laughs> and I was, like, joking with my friends. I'm like, where the hell is this Noble company coming from? Like, all of a sudden, they're everywhere. And then I think there was another golf tournament that weekend, and they were plastered all over there. At the API, they were, too. And then I walk up to the players Tuesday morning, park in the media parking. First thing I see, <laughs> giant trailer with Noble. And then I'm informed that we're getting a complimentary, complimentary gift from them. And I was like, all right, I'm in. I'm in. I'm, I'm in. in. They, they sold me. I'm in I think in it was just a couple weeks that it was a Tom Brady, I think, that mm -hmm. is rolling uh, his TB12 yep. and some of that other brand in with, in with Noble. Really. That'd be a interesting partnership to see what that uh, what turns out with that. Mm. Yeah, I'm excited. Maybe some new sneakers, too. I wouldn't say no I'm to on, that. I'm on pair three. Oh, Matt's got... Oh, so you went out and actually bought oh, a couple bought, more. I've bought two since the first one they gave me. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, once I buy something that works and I like it, stick it with it, man. Noble, if you want to formally advertise with 1010, we are Yeah, well, that, I mean, Absolutely. I'm the guy they're looking for. Like, they give someone out and they think, all right, well, this guy will love it and they'll buy more. And that's exactly what it is. This is a free advertisement. You heard it here first. For Lee Smith, thank you so much again for joining Absolutely. us, sir. Thank for you. Joe Cowart, for Leon Searcy, for Denny Thompson, and for Matt Hayes, I am Mia O'Brien. This has been a Thursday edition of XL Primetime. The Frangie Show comes up next right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. We will catch you later.